Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. CT Radio here, talking to you from Gulf Breeze, Hawaii. I have uh, Janet Carroll Lesson and Dr. Bruce McAbee today. And uh, let me see if Dr. Bruce, can you hear me? Are we connected? Yes, I can hear you. Wonderful. Gulf Breeze, Hawaii. Oh, I did. Gulf Breeze, Florida, and Hawaii. (laughs) Janet Carroll Lesson. I'm sorry. Yes, I did. I did. So thank you, Doctor. Uh, everyone, my daughter died, and so we're burying her tomorrow. So if I make mistakes today, I apologize. It's a brain thing. Janet Carolesson, can you hear me from Hawaii? 
Hello? Hello? I have her on here, Dr. Bruce. Hold on, let's see. Janet, are you there? Are you on the speaker? Can't hear you. Well, I see well, her. So. I'm here, but... You've heard of the Invisible Man. Well, she's the Invisible Voice. Okay, well, uh, yeah, she was laying down. Well, uh, Tommy Hawksblood's here anyway from the big island of Hawaii, so let's, uh, I guess she'll call in later. But Dr. Bruce, uh, let me let uh, Tommy uh, just say something real quick, and we're going to handle Dr. Bruce here. We're real excited to have him here for our ACO Association and UFO Association. But, uh, Tommy, go ahead and introduce yourself to represent Hawaii ACO and UFO Association, and I'm going to read Dr. Bruce's uh, uh, bio. Okay, go ahead, Tommy. Hello, everybody. Tommy Hawksblood here, calling from the Big Island of Hawaii. Uh, my prayers are out to you, TJ. Uh, I just got out of court. I was in court all day, so I've been wow. a little bit backed up as well with stuff. So uh, there's so much going on, and there's so much to talk about. I'm glad you got a good speaker on today. Uh, maybe he can share a little light on what we're going through in Hawaii because it's crazy here. Oh yeah. I mean, as UFOs over us. All the time. All morning I go out, I'll see 10 ships in 10, 15 minutes. Uh, there's a light ship blinking at me. Uh, and everybody in my neighborhood, I talk to every one of them, and they all see different things at night. So you getting any earthquakes? Getting any well, earthquakes? We, we, had a, we have been, been having super big earthquakes the past couple of weeks. And we also have been having uh, – it's cloudy every night. For the past two months, it's cloudy every night. I'm lucky if I get a half hour of clear sky uh, to go out and film anything. I filmed 12 ships in the past week, though. So I have somebody analyzing them right now. But it's incredible what's going on here. Uh, even if I go out for a half hour, I'll see at least one 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 ship or two ships. Plus, this light ship keeps blinking at me, and I'm still trying to find out what that is. Have you seen the uh, video that was shown on uh, Nightline TV? Um Back in 1996, it was, let's see, it was, uh, yeah, it was Nightline TV, and they had a video that was obtained by people with a big telescope on top of Mount Haleakala. Well, that's it's amazing website, because it's on my I... Website. It's on my website with the analysis, Nightline really? UFO. Because they won't talk to me about UFOs, period. They say they have the telescopes focused on certain planets and stuff, and they can't turn the telescope anywhere. I've been trying oh, yeah. to get up there, and they're giving me a hard time. Uh, and they and I called all the organizations involved with them, and they won't get involved with UFOs either. Uh, so I don't know. There's a big cover-up here because there's just so much stuff going on. But, uh, no, I'm, I'm glad you're on. I'll, I'll sit back and listen and, and if I'll butt in a little bit later. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Tommy. I really appreciate you coming and helping. And uh, we're going to uh, update everybody on what we're doing with uh, people such as Dr. Bruce McApee. Now, let me give you a little rundown on his uh, life, so to speak. This will help some people. Uh, Bruce spent his early years in Rutland, Vermont after high school. So uh, from there, uh, it says he studied physics at Worcester and our Worcester, I'm going to let him tell us in a minute, Polytechnic Worcester. Institute. Worcester? Worcester. 
Pronounced the way it's spelled in England. In oh. England, they have W O O S T E R, and they pronounce it Worcester. And we have W O R C E S T R, and pronounce it the same way, Worcester, as if there's no R. Okay. And the American University in Washington D.C. So that that's where you got your master's and Ph.D. in physics, I guess, right? That's right. I'll keep going. All right. In 1972, he commenced his long career at the Naval Surface Warfare Center, and that's uh, I guess it's still pres- presently headquartered at Dahlgren, Virginia. How do you say that, Doctor Bruce? Dahlgren. Dahlgren. Yeah. Okay. He has worked on optical data processing, generation of underwater sound with lasers, and various aspects of the Strategic Defense Initiative, SDI, and Ballistic Missile Defense, BMD, using high-power lasers. Dr. Bruce McAbee has been active in UFO research since the late 1960s when he joined the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, which we call NICAP, and was active in research and investigation for NICAP until its demise in 1980. He became a member of MUFON, which is Mutual UFO Network, in 1975 and uh, was appointed to the position of State Director of Maryland at that time, a position, uh, I guess, I'm going to change this. It says he still holds, but I need to update that. So uh, now... Let me keep going, but we're going to fix all this. Uh, I thought I had that fixed. But in 1979, he was instrumental in establishing the first fund. Let's see here. It just flipped on me. Uh, Aerial phenomena, strategic defense. Where did it go? He became a member of MUFON. Here we go. So uh, he was instrumental in establishing a fund for UFO research, and the chairman for 13 years, he presently serves on the National Board of Research. So we've got for ACO Association and Investigations of UFO Association. He's we asked him to step up, and he's been there for us and uh, did a show in 2014 to help us get established uh, in here. We've been here since 2012, but his uh, his investigations have included. The late Kenneth Arnold sighting, June 24, 1947, in uh, McMinnville, Oregon, read, and it I've says Trent. I've written a whole book about the, the uh, uh, Arnold sighting. It's called okay. Three in June. Okay. Uh, I've got to put that on here, too, then. Now, he's got photos of 1950 and the Gemini 11 photos of September 66. And the New Zealand sightings, December 78, the Japan Airlines JAL 1628 sighting in 19, November 1986, and numerous sightings of Ed Walters and others in Gulf Breeze right here where I now represent and live, probably will till I die. And it says 87 to 88, the Red Bubba sightings, 1992, well, 1992, including his own sighting, so he's actually seen one, folks. He's uh, seen. So he's also experienced through the Mexico City video of August 1997 and the Phoenix, Phoenix Lights. That's Phoenix, Arizona. Many of you may know of it or lived through it. March 13, 1997 at 10 p.m. Now, the Mexican Air Force case of March 2004 and the Iran jet case 
September 76, and many others. So he's done a lot of historical research, folks, and was the first to obtain the flying disc file of the FBI, the real X-Files. So now uh, we're going to ask him as an author to go through all these in three dozen so – he's got three over three dozen technical articles and more than 100 UFO articles over the uh, last 25 years, but this is a dated bio, so it's probably over the last 35 years, but we'll get into that. And the MUFON Symposium. So he wrote a last chapter for Ed Walters uh, here in, in uh Gulf Breeze, but it was called The Gulf Breeze Sightings by Edward and Francis Walters, and he wrote the UFO history chapter of the book, UFOs, Zugon, and Zeichen. Is that the uh, – is that – German. Oh, okay. Published in Germany. Okay, so per, in German in 1995, and then he co-authored with Ed Walters, uh, UFOs are real, here's the proof. And he authored the FBI-CIA UFO Connection, which we're going to talk about tonight with Richard Dolan Press, 2015. And then he's the author of novel Abduction in My – it's family life, isn't it? My family fam- life? Just in my family. Just, just in my family. Leave the word oh, just life in my off. Okay. Abduction in my family. Now, and that was 2000, right? That's that's right. Is that right? Okay, so uh, we've got God, you've done a lot now. He's uh, listed in Who's Who in Technology Today in American and Men and Women of Science, believe it or not. And he's appeared in numerous radio and TV shows, including this one in 2014. And he's in the, uh, on the side, he's an accomplished pianist and organist. And he performed in 1997 and 1999 at the MUFON Symposium. So he lives now. Now, it says you live in Frederick County, Maryland, but that's no longer. He lived. I'll make that he lived past tense. Right. But you live in Ohio, don't you? Yes. Okay. He lived in Frederick County, Maryland. I'll put and now lives uh, with his wife, right, Jan? Yes. Is, right. Okay. How, in western, she, western Ohio. And with uh, now this with Lima, Jan, his, Lima, Ohio, in Lima, like Lima Bean, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Okay, now let's see if it'll let me save this. It'll probably tell me it's too long, but uh, let's see, save subscription too long. Darn. All right. Well, now that we've got it out there, even though it's long, it's relatively corrected now that I've seen seen that. But I'll have to cut and paste it, folks, and and uh, put it on. I'm going to put it in the UFO Association as our advisor and uh, consultant. And uh, hopefully, you guys will understand that the UFO Association is going to be set up in various groups. We're 2019. We're getting used to organize now. Jan Harzan is the President, acting president, our executive director, I should say, of Mutual UFO Network, which I was in in 28, and of course, Dr. Bruce McAbee was. So we're going to do our best to represent all uh, people and all organizations and websites now. Uh, so we're going to set the bar high. We've had uh, Daryl Sims, uh, who has. Uh, helped us with Alien Hunters organization, but Dr. Bruce is going to help guide us in the proper way of finding the fact, fact finding in uh, the real investigators of uh, UFO Association in our Alien Contact Org. Yes, Dr. You put my, uh, my, my URL in there uh, if people want to go and see the various articles that I've written. Yes, uh, and that is 
D-R-U-M-A-C dot uh-huh. my site, M-Y-S-I-T-E dot com. Okay. The Wonderful. I changed the, changed the middle from 8K to my site. I screwed up a lot of stuff that was published with the original the original URL with 8K in the middle. So I've had people getting telling me, we can't find your website. It's not there. Oh, if they, okay. Google, well, if, they Google, if they Google on my name, they'll get to it, because Google has straight has got the correct uh, address, or just rumac.mysite, M-Y-S-I-T-E dot com. Okay, and I'll make sure that we get you, uh, from now on, I'm going to grab all your stuff with your permission, put the link, but I'll repeat it in case we have any problem again and make sure that we can keep it updated as a library for UFO Association with your permission. We'll start with your bio and picture as the first one because uh, I just posted off of uh, LinkedIn, Richard, not Richard Dolan, uh, Jan Harzan's letter he wrote for LinkedIn or somewhere. I didn't even ask him the details, but he's going to be coming on. But he's been on a cruise. I wanted to have him on this month while we're getting set up. We still may make it, but since he's on uh, out doing marketing and promotion for the cruises, it may be a while. So we only have a letter from uh, and, and support, and he said, yes, we could put him in the ACO UFO groups and that he runs the uh, Mutual UFO Network. Now, Dr. Maccabee has been doing a few radio shows uh, because we're promoting right now the FBI-CIA UFO Connection by Richard Dolan Press. But uh, I asked Dr. Bruce to come back and update because we have so many changes since 2014 and the fact that we want to use him as our guidepost our model for and teach us how best to do these investigations and we're going to write our own manual but I've got I'm going to do all the uh typing and stuff but he may lend us some stuff off of his way of doing it in the past so let's get started here folks uh, we're going to set up UFO association and have our authorsbookclub.org and have his books, uh, Richard, uh, we'll have to get Richard's permission to market and promote, but I'm sure Richard's a good person, and I'm sure he won't have any trouble with us trying to sell his books, but uh, Richard's been on here too, so we're all playing together. I'm just setting up the UFO Association now that my husband died and my daughter died. Let's hope nobody else dies in my family, but since I've known Bruce, my parents have died, my husband, and now my youngest daughter, and it's really hard so, like I said, I apologize. I've got to bury her tomorrow at Liberty Church in Gulf Breeze. But for now, I've got to take out some of uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Bruce's bio, but you can go to brewmac at uh, my site and, uh, com, and we will work with Dr. Bruce. Now, let's get on because we're going to be on YouTube and Stitcher and Spreaker and FM Radio, and we're syndicated all over. And uh, so many places I've forgotten how many places I've put us out there. So I've got to make sure I save this, Dr. Bruce, and uh, let's get started. Where would you like to start? You want to go back and I want to get back like you went to high school and get down your Ph.D. in physics. But And how did you get involved with uh, NICAP and doing all that? Because you're very well known and you're one of the few people that's in Wikipedia because it's so hard to be known in cyberspace for doing anything, much less getting your name in Wikipedia. It's not that easy, folks. So, Bruce, where would you like to start? 
back in high school or where? Well, I'm back in uh, in grade school at the time of the all the sightings in the early 1950s. Of course, everybody who was alive then was sort of alerted to the people making sighting reports. They got made it into the newspapers, and I guess they were generally considered to be nuts. But uh, uh, people people didn't go around saying I saw a UFO because uh, they were afraid it'd be a negative reaction. I was only a kid at that point, and I didn't. I remember the uh, space, outer space movies that came out in the early 50s, <clears throat> like The Day the Earth Stood Still and The War of the Worlds. It came from outer space, and uh, there were a bunch of them in, uh, from about 1951 to 1956 or 7. And then, of course, in the, in the, in the 60s, you had Star Trek coming, uh, being popular in the latter half of the 60s. By by that time, I had graduated from high school and was uh, not thinking at all about UFOs until 1965 or 66, when there was a a big flap of sightings uh, throughout the United States, and uh, the uh, that was the time of the famous swamp gas explanation, which has even been featured on the. Uh, Project Blue Book TV show. I don't know if you've seen any of that, or, or people who may be listening to this probably have seen at least some of the uh, episodes of the uh, modern version of Project Blue Book, which is not all like the original. <laughs> the uh, person, the chief personality, is J. Allen Hynek, who was a astronomer. Who was uh, the real Heineck was hired by the Air Force in 1948 to help explain UFO sightings, and he became quite good at it, and uh, was mainly a UFO explainer until the latter half of the 60s when he <coughs> tangled with some sightings that occurred in the town of Hillsdale, Michigan, where there were just too many too many people saw this for uh, to be ignored, and uh, he went he was ordered by the Project Blue Book people. Uh, Hector Quintanella, the head of Project Blue Book at the time, ordered Heineck to go and come and find an explanation for these sightings. <clears throat> and he went there and, uh, uh, under duress, decided about. He noticed that some of the sightings had occurred near a swampy area. So he advanced the possibility that maybe some of the sightings were swamp gas glowing. And the press took that to be his explanation for all the sightings and publicized that uh, UFOs were just swamp gas. And, uh, of course, I had that hanging on his part of his baggage for the rest of his life. Fortunately, he was, uh, he was more amused uh, by it rather than uh, disgruntled by it being called the uh, flying saucer uh, astronomer. But anyway, uh, about that time, well, up to that point, in the, most of the 50s and the halfway through the 60s, um, it wasn't UFOs weren't something you talked about in good company. Uh, you sort of had to have a bag over your head. And after the Hillsdale sighting, Hillsdale, uh, Michigan sightings in 1966, uh, the uh, Congress directed the Air Force to support an independent investigation, one that was independent of Project Blue Book. And that ended up being taken, done at the University of Colorado. 
and for a couple of years they investigated sightings. During that period of time, it was almost legitimate to talk about the subject without having a bag over your head. <clears throat> then in 1969, the uh, Air Force decided that uh, there was nothing to be gained by studying UFO sighting reports, so uh, they closed the Project Blue Book, and ostensibly there's been no UFO investigation uh, by the Air Force since Project Blue Book closed in 1969. However, we just discovered in the last year or so that there have been at least uh, one investigative period that went from 200, 2004 to 2012, I think, uh, based on sightings by Navy ships who uh, saw weird things happening at the times that they were doing uh, training exercises out in the ocean. And one sighting in particular, which has been given the nickname Tic Tac, uh, involved uh, sightings by pilots and radar of objects off the coast of California, about 80 miles or so is where the fleet was, and these objects were maybe 40 miles off the coast, uh, picked up uh, in the daytime by, um, well, picked up on on radar, and then uh, some jets that were in the area under ending a training mission were asked to go and investigate. And one of the uh, jet pilots, this guy David Fraber, says he saw down near the ocean, he was up about 20,000 feet, down near the ocean he saw a whitish-looking thing. He compared it with a, a candy known as a Tic Tac, which is basically a, a small cylinder with hemispherical ends or end caps. And... Uh, he says this thing was, he started to go into a, a big circular rotational uh, descent, dropping downwards, and this thing was down near the ocean. It started to rise upwards towards him, and uh, they were approaching each other when all of a sudden it took off uh, so fast he could hardly see it. It was, uh, it was at the, his horizon before he knew it. And uh, one of the radar people who were tracking this thing said that it went to a particular reporting point 46 miles away, I think it was, from where the airplane was. It went there in no time and took the jets uh, a minute or more to catch up with it. Uh, it, it got to this re the question, two questions are, how did it know where to go to to get to this reporting point that the jet was headed for? And granted that it knew where to go, how did it get there so fast? So anyway, uh, there was a, a funded effort, about 20, 20-some million dollars, to understand a number of sightings by the Navy, and uh, we may suppose that the Army may have had an Air Force. Well, this was the, this was the Naval Air Force that was involved. Uh, the regular Air Force probably had their own sightings, and uh, maybe the Army, too, I don't know. <clears throat> the point is that uh, a prog program had been started up, and uh, although it was funded for some $22 million and lasted five years, I think, something like that, and then the, the funding ended, but uh, according to one of the guys who was part of this project, Louis Alexandro, um, the, the, it's probably still going on just as a, a, a black budget type of program. <clears throat> 
but that does mean that for the first time the U.S. government has admitted to doing a UFO investigation of a sort since 1969. That's good. So far. Uh you feeling okay now? Is uh, you need to take yeah, some water uh, or anything? No, I uh, got involved in the late 1960s, uh, before Project Blue Book closed. And uh, after Project Blue Book closed, 1969, there was a general feeling that well, the government has explained everything, and those of us who studied the subject knew that, that wasn't true. But the general feeling of the population. And the press was that there was uh, UFOs were were finished all over the Air Force that explained everything, and they weren't expe- expecting any sightings after 1969. Well, those of us who are members of NICAP, National Investigating Committee on Aerial Phenomena, and other UFO groups like Aerial Phenomena Research Organization (APRO) knew that there still were sighting reports coming in. And then in the summer of 1973, there was a big change. All of a sudden. At the end of the March, at the end of August 1973, uh, another flap began, and there were so many sightings that it couldn't be ignored. A couple of sightings made it into the press. One sighting being uh, uh, involving a helicopter, which was uh, over uh, Mansfield, Ohio, and uh, flying along, doing its own thing. When an object came along and zipping towards it, and the helicopter pilot thought he was going to run into whatever this thing was it was traveling along it suddenly managed to hover right over the uh, uh, helicopter uh, the captain of the helicopter Captain Coyne um, had moved the collective uh, arm so the helicopter was in a sharp descent and he was descending uh, over he was only about a thousand or so, two thousand feet above the ground at that time, so it wasn't a, wasn't a good idea to stay in the descent. Anyway, he was he had the helicopter descending, and they could see this green light coming in from a uh, through the plastic of the top of the helicopter, and it stayed over the helicopter for a few seconds, and then zipped away to the west. And when the captain looked at the uh, helicopter altitude. He found out that even though he thought he was diving, he had actually increased in height, like the thing had pulled him upwards. That made a big splash in the news. And then there was wow. the, uh, the Pascagoula River abduction sighting, which has just recently been re- reinvigorated by one of the men, the younger of two men that were involved in that event long ago in 73, has just this year uh, published a book of his experience which uh, the Hickson-Parker abduction. Hickson died years ago, and Mr. Parker has now got a book out from a publishing company in, in Britain. Um, and their abduction story was that they were sitting on a, a dock on the banks of the Pascagoula River one night fishing, when all of a sudden this thing landed behind them, a door opened, and this, a couple of strange creatures came out, uh, sort of like levitated the two fishermen and floated them into the craft and did various things and floated them back out to where they were. And uh, then it took off. And, of course, nobody believed them. But uh, <clears throat> when they started doing the investigation, 
the sheriff, he, the first thing they did was they went and told the sheriff that there was something that, that had taken them, and uh, I guess they needed reassurance that they weren't nuts. The sheriff put them two guys into a room to wait while he did something or other. He didn't say what, but he had already secretly put a tape recorder in the room, and he expected to find tape. And when he played it back, he expected to find it on tape. They would be congratulating each other about what they were saying and how how well their their hoax was working and so on. And he said the sheriff said there was nothing like that on the tape. Uh, they were continuously worried about what what this signified for their lives or if they if these things were dangerous or whatever. Again, something has just recently happened. Uh, there were supposedly no witnesses, no outside witnesses to this event. And just recently, a lady who said she was with a boyfriend, I think, or somebody soon-to-be husband, on the other side of the river, saw this thing come down and uh, essentially verified that a UFO had landed uh, where Hickson and Parker said it had. She said she had been too scared to uh, uh, admit to that way back then and finally has admitted to it now that Parker has published a book on his on his event. So anyway, that was 1973. Now, the, the impact it had on me was this big flap of, it was like uh, UFOs had gone away in 1969 when the Air Force said, well, it's all explained and we're not learning anything and we're not going to do any more investigation. Then they came back with a bang in 1973. It was like, we're back. And uh, there were sightings all over the United States, including creatures, creature sightings, not just lights and machine-like things up in the sky. So that, that told me that maybe it was time to do some uh, innovative investigation on my own, and that's when I started doing uh, uh, some statistical analysis. I'd actually taken, undertaken uh, two sightings, three sightings uh, in the uh, in 70 and 71. Uh, the first sighting I went on an investigation with a couple of the NICAP people who had done it before. So I was with some experienced investigators, you might say. And we went and talked to a lady who uh, claimed that she was driving along this road just outside of Washington, D.C., that green light things kept going over her ha- over her car as she drove along. So uh, we went to there, and she, she had called NICAP. And that's how we found out about it. NICAP headquarters called the, the people who are local so-called local subgroup of NICAP. And several of us went out and interviewed the lady and her husband and uh, got in their car and rode along with her along the road she was talking about. There there weren't any green lights going along as far as we could tell. So we never did know what that was. But the impression that it made on me was the the man was an accountant, the lady was a teacher. These weren't nuts. These people weren't drunk. The lady wasn't drunk when she was driving. Uh, there's zero chance that this was a hoax. We just didn't know what it was. Um, but the credibility of the people was what stuck with me because uh, one of the big explanations for uh, UFOs was that people can't recognize things up in the sky, can't can't recall things very well, uh, and very likely would hoax something uh, for fun and profit. And as I said, these people had nothing none of that. Then I did a UFO investigation, which is reported on my website, about uh, a guy who saw this thing hovering over a mountaintop in uh, 
near Mount Jackson, Virginia, in the Shenandoah Valley. And uh, I investigated that and concluded that whatever he saw looked like a rocket, but a rocket that was staying, staying in one place over a mountaintop. That's a reasonably complicated sighting, so I don't really have time to go into it, but that was another case of a person who was a credible, an elected official of a, uh, the, the county he was in, and definitely not a nut. He saw, he saw something, which was strange. And then another early case I got involved in, oddly enough, turned out to be to happen not far from Dahlgren, Virginia, where I ended up working in the Navy laboratory in Dahlgren, Virginia. But this sighting occurred in 1971, and I didn't get to Dahlgren, Virginia until 1997. Anyway, uh, this involved teenagers in a family and two sightings on two different days, two different nights, uh, which is kind of complicated. And Again, we were confronted with, uh, are these people telling the truth? Are they remembering things accurately? Or is this all a big hoax? And uh, we concluded that it was a real event, something, something strange had happened. So by 1973, when UFOs said, we're back, uh, I had a, been involved in several investigations. I read some books, and I was aware of a, a statistical analysis that showed that uh, like roughly a quarter of the sightings are, are unexplainable. Uh, and then that's when I started to do some re research on my own. <clears throat> and I began right at the top, you might say, by tackling the Trent photo case. The Trent photo case was uh, involved a farmer and his wife, Paul Trent, and his wife, Evelyn, who saw a strange object go past their farm on May 11, 1950. And a month later, their pictures got published in a newspaper, uh, and that began the uh, big furor over the Trent case. And the interesting thing about the Trent photo case is the, the uh, image is so large and so distinct it has to be either a hoax or the real thing. There's no halfway point. Well, I tried to find out if there was any evidence of a hoax by analyzing the photo over a period of several years and uh, using the original negative. And uh, to do that, I had to learn a lot of photography, so that was a big learning experience for me. I also interviewed Mrs. Trent and a lot of people that had been involved with the sighting over the years from 1950 until uh, when I got involved in 1976. Uh, and the results of my work are on my website, the uh, McMinnville photo case. <clears throat> uh, the, the reason I picked that one was it was the only photo case that was essentially endorsed by the uh, photo analyst of the Condon Report. And recall I said that in the 19, late 1960s there was a big flap of sightings and the Air Force directed the, uh, Congress directed the Air Force to support a, a, an investigation independent of, of Project Blue Book. And that turned out to be a research project that was done at the University of Colorado under a, a guy named Edward U. Condon. And that was where they uh, claimed basically they could explain everything and uh, 
there was no point in continuing an investigation, so it was because of the Carmen report that they closed Project Blue Book. But the photo, the photo analyst guy had, I don't know, a dozen photo cases to look at, and he ranked them with the number one ranking being the Trent photo case. And in his summary statement as what he thought of it, he said, all things investigated seem to point towards the uh, uh, strange flying object actually passing within sight of the two witnesses. He couldn't prove that it wasn't a hoax, but everything seemed to be consistent with it being a real story. Basically, I guess he was impressed by uh, uh, the fact that Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Trent were about as unlikely to have a hoax of anything to say nothing of UFOs. Uh, and if they did try hoaxing something, they probably couldn't pull it off. Uh, as uh, the newspaper photo editor who published the photos originally said, he went and interviewed them, and he said he didn't think that he thought it had to be true because they were too stupid. Anyway, uh, you would think in this big funded investigation, half a million dollars invested to find out whether UFOs are real or not, you would think that if they found a case that looked like it was good, there would be more investigation of that one case, at least. And uh, the, that was this Trent case, which uh, the photo analyst basically said, he, 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 as far as he was concerned, it could be true. Uh, you would think that that would cause a big reaction from the conventional scientists who naturally assumed that it had to be a hoax. Then how in the world could the... Uh, uh, Hartman, who analyzed the photo, how could he come up with the idea that it might be real? So by 1974, when I got interested in the case, or late 73, uh, it had been a published case lying around for several years, and no, nobody had taken up the challenge of trying to explain this one case. As no scientist had, a couple of skeptics had, but they... They didn't know all the technical details of the photography. Anyway, I took I tackled that case, which, as I said, involved analyzing the original negatives and uh, talking to people and so on, putting together a big case analysis, which is in the in the uh, website at the website. So that's what that's what got me involved. Uh, after that, I started doing other cases like the Gemini 11 photo case uh, of 1966, uh, astronauts photographing some object that went past their spaceship, uh, a number of other cases uh, that you've actually re mentioned in the uh, biography. I've uh, done, I don't know how many, I don't know how many cases I've shot down I never kept track of the ones that I ex explained, but um, a couple of dozen are I'm leaving unexplained, and uh, some sometimes they get me into trouble with the skeptics. But just recently, we've had the 40th anniversary of the famous New Zealand sightings of December 31st, 1978, and those sightings, uh, uh, air crew of two, and a news crew. Three people were on board a uh, freighter aircraft when uh, they started seeing these strange lights appearing off the east coast of the South Island of New Zealand, and they led them to call up the radar guy at the air traffic control centers, and he said he was getting radar targets, 
and uh, they track radar targets and uh, um, radar targets and visual sightings of lights and stuff for for about two hours worth of time that night. Again, this is all on my website, but I just recently uh, posted on my Facebook uh, a very short paper uh, I submitted to the uh, uh, Scientific Conference of Unidentified Flying Objects, SCU, that just took place last uh, weekend. If anybody uh, wants a copy of the paper, they can send me an uh, email uh, to brumac, B-R-U-M-A-C, at compuserve.com, C-O-M-P-U-S-E-R-V-E. What? CompuServe, right? CompuServe.com. And you right. go by Bruce McAbee, but it's Dr. Bruce McAbee, Ph.D., but for his email, he abbreviates it to B-R-U-M-A-C, so you're hearing Brumac. So uh, people, he's a wonderful uh, leader for us in the UFO business, alien contact organization business, and his worked with Daryl Sims. I've seen uh, pictures of you, Dr., with uh, – him and George uh, Awakawa. How many people have you known in this business that are already known in uh, 2019? Doc, Doc, I, I, I know, know Daryl Sims, but I've never worked with him. Uh, oh, that's I think you're talking about okay. Hayakawa. Yeah, do you know him or worked with him? Never worked Mario? with him. I, I may have met him. I, I'm not really sure. I know. I, oh, okay. I, I know who he is from being from his comments on Facebook. Oh, I don't know okay. who he is, but I don't. I'm not sure that I actually ever met him. I've met oh, I Daryl Sims a number of times. I've seen you at some uh, UFO conference. All right. Well, I know that you were involved in MUFON. Uh, how many conferences were you able to speak in your lifetime? I know you did one, at least one in Ohio when you were working with MUFON. But ha- have you literally been on panels or been a speaker at any? I've never been to a UFO conference, so this is all just. Hearsay in the last uh, eight or ten years, I guess. You know, but uh, did have you listed where you've spoken in person? Well, I've listed uh, in my full biography, which is on the website. I listed all the uh, all the articles that I've written and had published. Some of them have been published in MUFON journals. Some of them have been published in MUFON symposia. <clears throat> I've been to uh, conferences or symposiums, probably a dozen and a half times or something between 1976 was the first one, I believe, uh, all the way through the 1990s. I haven't been to, okay. anything, since, I haven't been to anything since uh, 2008, I guess was the last, or 2009 was the last one that I attended. All right. Well, I've never attended any, so you're ahead of me by at least 12 or 13. But you knew Richard Dolan, and how did you get Richard to publish your book for you? Did you meet him or go to Rochester, New York, or how did you know Richard? Because Richard's a famous author. We'll put him in our author's book club with you for his books, but he actually only publishes, he's very, he wouldn't publish uh, William Tompkins, uh, but he did publish yours. So you want to explain, uh, let's talk a little bit about your book. Uh, It's very nicely done, by the way. Dr. Bruce McAbee, PhD, the FBI, CIA, the really big UFO connection, uh, government UFO secrets revealed. You want to tell us a little bit about that and how you 
got him to publish your book? <laughs> well, uh, I had met him years earlier, I guess. I, I knew who he was. I knew he was publishing. He was starting his publishing company, so I asked him if he would like to publish my book, and uh, he said he was, and, and he did. Uh, I didn't have to twist his arm or anything. <laughs> so uh, since then he's published um, three more books of mine. Oh, I didn't know you had three more books. Well, uh, one, 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 one of those three is the Abduction in My Family book that you know about that was listed in that uh, biography yeah. that you read. And then there's one called Three Minutes in June that I published in 19... In 2016, I guess it was uh, Three Minutes in June, which is the story of the Kenneth Arnold sighting, the the only book devoted to the first sighting. You would think that after all these years, like 70 years, there would have been at least somebody who would have tackled the Kenneth Arnold sighting in depth. Uh, There was one guy in England who did, but he never published it as a book. Uh, So I... uh, Ended up being the first person to publish a book about the trend, the, uh, the Kenneth Arnold sighting. Uh, My goodness, we're really behind, aren't we? Well, I'm glad you did it, and hopefully we'll keep our people after us. will keep up your uh, work. The most, recent, we're hoping. Most, most recent book is called "The Legacy of 1952: The Year of the UFO." That's because. In the summer of 1952, there were a thousand or more sightings in June, July, and August. It completely overwhelmed the system, you might say. And that was when uh, a general got in front of a press conference and said, uh, well, we're studying the situation, but we think it's all a natural phenomena. In spite of hundreds of sightings throughout the United States, uh, and uh, basically he... Uh, established uh, for, for once and for all the tendency of the Air Force to explain things. They, they would ignore what they couldn't explain and publicize what they could to give the, the general population the, the appearance that everything could be explained. And that's sort of the way we are still, uh, that the, the government is, is not being positive about the subject. Uh, even with this new investigation, which is just taking place, as, as I speak, the investigation of the uh, Navy, Naval Air Force sightings um, that I mentioned earlier, uh, the government still isn't coming out and saying, yes, there's something going on. They're just letting it, uh, well, what I call a limited hangout of information it would allow you to conclude that these things are real. Well, I hope we get it where things get better and uh, we are at least doing findings of fact. And how would you like to introduce the proper way? Uh, I know that MUFON has a good manual, and then uh, I know Kathy Martin's been helping with experiencers, the experiencer research team for. Uh, MUFON, Mutual UFO Network, which is a non-profit. Now, we're a profit group. Uh, we're going to try to – well, I pay for everything, but I hope that in the future this can run with people that want to do this or at least sell their books with us. But 
uh, MBS Speakers Bureau Library for people's books we want to buy. But I need some instruction. Now, I was an investigator, legal and trained, and uh, went in training in 19, May 1967. And uh, Houston and the ACIR, which I mentioned, NASA, and got clearances starting 1967. I was a rehire sent to Washington in 87. But I heard about you, and we were uh, – uh, how can I say this? When you're trained in investigations to work as uh, law enforcement, criminal justice, psychology in the university, that's one level of training. And then I got a, uh, a badge for in uh, Pearland uh, – or was it uh, Alvin? No, it was Pearland. And then uh, – that's Texas outside of Houston. Then a private investigator. In Birmingham, Alabama, I was probably one of the first. They didn't even have a state-level understanding for investigators. And I did FBI and went to uh, Tuscaloosa Fire College and actually was teaching there with my partner, Investigative Services, Fire, Arson, Fraud, Subrogation, and got that. And then I got to do FBI files and train a few FBI agents or women coming in with their little guns in their purses and things. But I got a lot of training but uh, I didn't get assigned UFO business officially, like Men in Black, until the Men in Black came to see me in my office. Now, they they approached me, Dr. McAbee, in 67 when uh, I was twirling at a high school and asked me if I'd like to work for the government. But they were honestly official Men in Black back then. They actually wore black suits. And, they were still in uh, high actually, school yeah, they actually wore black suits. So men in black that worked for the government would ask you, how would you like to work for the government? That's how I got recruited. And then Yvonne okay. McCutcheon, and, which and was And you were handler. still in high school when that happened? Yes. You were still in high school? Not. Yes, sir. Huh. It was my last year. They saw my picture in the paper. But he came to a football game. He worked. I lived, and my boyfriend's father worked at Grumman in NASA. And uh, they recruited us, and they do that a lot in high schools. Uh, a lot of people don't understand this, but it, I wasn't in ROTC or anything, but you know we have the uh, level in schools for training people if they want to go into Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, ROTC, our officers. And uh, I, I, we didn't, I don't even remember we had that in our high school in Houston, but uh, what happened is Yvonne had worked for the government or – Something with women in the government, and uh, we had the Houston Spinnerets, and we would go to Dulles Airport. So we learned who Dulles was with the Central Intelligence Agency and uh, wore uniforms. So I got to go see Sonny and Cher at the airport, and uh, we would welcome people into Houston in our little red outfits. Mine's in Facebook with my twirling. There's a picture here and there, but I twirled machetes and fire batons, and the guy asked me uh, – to work for the government, and I, I said, sure, how do you do that? So he took me under the bleachers from a high school and talked to me, and then later on, my my boyfriend, uh, he had five scholarships, he was asked to, and they uh, took us out of a James Bond movie, and everybody was leaving out the way you come in the front door in Houston, and they ushered some men in black, took me and my boyfriend out the side door. It scared the crap out of me. I was just a 15 years old, and uh, but uh, Two men, we we were shocked. They rushed us. They came down from the top and rushed us while everybody's leaving, and took us, took him separate from me. Two men on each side of him and me, 
and pulled us out the side door on cement steps that went down. And then just like in the X-File movie, a man with black suit smoking a cigarette at the bottom of the stairs asked us again, how would we like to work for the government? And so, you know, he said, what would we do? And they said, well, how did you like that movie? So they told us we'd be like James Bond movie, you know. I didn't want to be like the girl. I wanted to be like James Bond, right? So <laughs> so that's sort of how uh, – Got asked twice, once at a football game. Was that Goldfinger? Yes, about sir. the time of Goldfinger. Yes, sir. So your mind is still sharp, and you can track that, can't you? So that's the story. The previous one was Dr. Life. No. Dr. No uh, was 65. Uh, six, it came out 65. Is that the, uh, it was the first one. It was Goldfinger, right? Dr. No, with uh, Ursula Andress was a... Uh, the first one. Let's see, Goldfinger. I don't know. Remember, sixty-five Goldfinger. The power. I'll guess it. Well, sixty-five. But was it sixty-five then? Let's see. Sixty-five, sixty-six, somewhere around in there. Yeah, it says it came out uh, January ninth, nineteen sixty-five. So that was when I was in the tenth grade. I was ahead of my time because I started at five. It must have been. Original, I don't know, uh, Goldfinger or one of the other James Bond. I thought it was Goldfinger. But Look up Dr. No. Look up D-R period N-O, Dr. No. Okay, Dr. K-N-O-W, Dr. No. Which one well, was not it? K-N-O-W, Dr. N-O. Not K-N-O-W, just N-O. Okay. Well, I know I need to get my case documented properly or write a biography because nobody's going to believe it either, like Pascalila. But I'm at the age now where I don't care. I think it's a good story. Dr. No came out 1962. Goodness, so it must have been Goldfinger. So Dr. No came out in 62. Now, that'd be too early. So it must have been 65 when they rushed us out the side. I never even realized it till now. Yep, 62 was Dr. No. All right, so it must have been Goldfinger 65. I'm pretty sure it came out then. But I know that's what we were watching. I remember that. So that's because uh, I I had never seen James Bond anything, but my I guess that was our first date or something. So 60, it said release date 63. So I got introduced to the spy business, I guess one would say. But uh, it, I did... I did go into law enforcement, criminal justice, and become an investigator from the men, you know, talking to me. And then they came and visited to me. Now, in 67, they put me in Advisory Council of Intergovernment Relations, ACIR. And so unless I, I explain it to people, they probably don't even know it exists. Have you ever heard of ACIR? Uh, I think so. Oh, you have? Well, you're one of the rare ones uh, that have. And then uh, the money was funded by the government, and uh, it was the Advisory Commission on Intergovernment Relations. But uh, I do- they decided they weren't going to fund. Let's see, now that must have been 59, because, but in 1996, this is Public Law 86380 and operated Wikipedia's ACR Wiktionary. Huh. Well, I think that since you're going to be helping us, and our counselor advisor, 
I believe we need to do a book, and uh, you may can help me, and I'll help. I've done books, but all of them are mostly fiction or just based on truth. But this is very interesting because it ties in things people don't understand, and I didn't understand it. But there was all these people that worked uh, independently with the United States federal government. It says ACR was the successor to the Commission of Intergovernment Relations, properly known as Kestenbaum, a temporary commission from 1953 to 55. So I don't think anybody's ever brought this stuff out either. So uh, this is going to be an interesting book because I was recruited, and it had something to do with NASA and the MUFON meeting that was at NASA for a short time and the people in Illinois that followed uh, NICAP. So do you know what happened after NICAP there? Uh, I know that I understood the man came down and met with me, the MUFON, Mutual UFO Network. So I always thought, now I wasn't allowed to legally uh, in the front of people ever be with him or we were kept separately. It's like we were on a UFO team to educate the public, but we weren't um, to acknowledge each other. And I was never supposed to talk about a UFO or I'd get fired. Flying saucer or UFO. But I never even told anybody about this, not even Stan Friedman. When Stan interviewed me uh, quite a few times by telephone, he talked to me and my husband about UFOs, right? Right. The the small craft and the long cigar shaped. And because President Reagan wanted us to... uh, investigate UFOs by the time we were introduced to President Reagan and George Bush. So this is a very interesting story of who some players were that hasn't been told. And it's going to shape things a little different. Like that's why I want to make sure, because I was guided to you and I never knew why, but you were like, not my handler, but some way to, I don't know, of, Fact-finding, or were you good at, at investigating, getting the facts straight? or I don't know why you were chosen to lead us. Do when, you? When was that? In 1914? Uh, yeah, before that. Uh, somewhere in my life in the 80s or 90s, a uh, long time ago. I don't know because I didn't write it down. I didn't know that... Uh, you were going to help set all this up and 19 years later. They gave us 19 years until we'd start, and then we've got till 2035. It's part of the disclosure, but it wasn't called that back then. Uh, I remember back when Alfred Lambermont Weber uh, called me, and we were talking about disclosure way back in the day. He was from Louisiana, his dad worked for the government, I think. But Alfred Lambert Weber, he can talk differently, but he lives in Canada. Do you know Dr. Uh, – is it doctor? No, Alfred Weber. Do you know Dr. – he worked for the government too somehow in the United States. Do you know him, yeah. Alfred Lambert Weber? Yeah, I met him like 20 years ago or so. Oh, you met him? Uh, I never spent much time talking to him. He seems a little bit off his rocker. <laughs> oh, is he? Okay. Well, why would you talk to him? I mean, I've only talked to him on the phone, but why? Uh, I don't know why his story was important or his involvement. 
between the United States and Canada. Would you know why that happened? Because he uh, redacted or took down uh, some of my stuff because I don't know why. He said it was complicated. Would you know Uh, why he would do that? Okay. Well, these are people uh, here and there, but they're very few and far between, but some of them have pieces of a puzzle. And I'm very curious to see how this is all going to arrive with you and your books. But now your book, you've got FBI, CIA, and UFO. Now, all three of those acronyms has been in my life since uh, since 1967, and I've worked with those agencies. So I find it curious, and now you're you know, the lead investigator, I guess one might say. Can you tell us your book? Do you go over cases case by case by finding a fact by linear time? Uh, my, my FBI, CIA, UFO book is basically a history book. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's it's wrapped around the Air Force, what the Air Force was doing. The Air Force had the the lead in whatever the government was doing with respect to UFOs, except for the possibility of a super top secret group taking care of the Roswell crash stuff. But I don't I don't tackle that problem. I basically say it could there could be that Roswell is real and it could be that it's false. In either case. The, the known history uh, points towards UFO reality. And Great. I, 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 write, I, I, write, I write what might be called a, uh, a, a historical analysis. It's not just A did this and B did that and C did something else and these things all happen in a straight line uh, uh, in time. Uh, I sit down and I say A did this, B did that, but let's go back and see what A did in response to B doing this, <laughs> and come up with some uh, more more than just a history, an analytical what I call an analytical history of the subject. That must be why you're the lead investigator then, or putting this UFO association together because you've already done it, but you do it historical analysis because. I was directed to you first and then Richard Dolan second, and then I was really surprised after 2012 that Richard did your book, and you came on in 2014, but we've let this sit till 2019. I thought it was because I was thrown obstacles by the universe that you know my parents died in 2011, then my husband died in 2015, and then my daughters died in 2019, and I had to – I don't know why, but it felt like I had to – go through all this emotional, mental, spiritual, physical, emotional stuff to get this done. I'm not sure why, or maybe it's just me analyzing myself. But now it's 2019, you and I are back together, and I know I've got to write a book. And I don't know if Richard's supposed to help or not, but apparently he is a historian. I believe in his work. He's been a great friend in radio all these years, but he's seen me at a very slow very slow progress because of disclosure and all these government groups I was involved in. Now you you don't you said you think you've heard of the ACIR, right? But you didn't really understand the laws or where they got their money or what, you what say their, it stands for. What the U.S. Advisory Commission on Intergovernmental Relations. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I would have run into that. 
It was established in 1959 by Public Law 86-380, and it operated until they recruited me 1996, and I was introduced to it in uh, the time that Kennedy got shot, 63, and I was groomed to work for them and to become the one person that would be uh, heading up the UFO investigations are this business under in 1973. Uh, okay, I uh, I was recruited in '67. That I'm a, uh, actually '65 because that's when Goldfinger was in the Men in Black uh-huh. by the ACIR. And uh, I don't think they were the Men in Black. I think uh, when my husband and I did investigations. They sent the uh, FBI to get us, uh, and then when I worked for Naval Investigative Services, or Navy, I turned Uh my job down for Navy NIS, but the NIS in Hawaii said I worked for the CIA. So different people got my contract. (laughs) Yeah, I'm aware that the agencies, I didn't know they were recruiting somebody who was 15 years old. You said you were 15? I was 15 years old when the men in black came to my high school, watched me do uh, 12 machetes and fire batons. Huh. So I didn't know uh, they were. I didn't know they were uh, uh, making recruiting out of high job school. offers. Job offers to people who were you weren't even a senior then, right? Or you were? I just I was in the uh, to be a senior that year because I was put with a senior sort of advanced. Uh, I was real smart, but I wasn't. I had basic average to A's. Uh, I was doing work for the city of Houston as a spinneret and went and met oil people from uh, uh, Arabia. And I had to act like I was dating a prince, and I worked for uh, Buddy Hansen Investigations. Uh And uh, the first case I did was Dr. John Hill. They made a book for Blood or Money about him, and I had to danced with the spinnerets at the Warwick Hotel and busted my the girl pushed we were doing can can she pushed herself over we were supposed to pick one girl up and kick their legs and then the uh, I got it on her back and kicked my legs and uh, she when I kicked my legs she fell and I fell next to the pool and it chipped my tooth so Percy Foreman my grandmother from Monroe, Louisiana, called and got Percy Foreman to handle my case because it uh, fell on my face and my tooth, and she wanted them to pay for it uh, mm. because uh, the other girl was involved. And he took it and got uh, – I was just known in the uh, area that Percy Foreman took my case. He got to be a real good friend, and then later on in life he wanted me to marry him. But he was uh, – they made a movie about him called for uh, Judd for the Defense. Percy Foreman, and I worked cases for him later. So I was trained in all types of investigations. The FBI trained me with banking, arson, fraud, subrogation in Birmingham, Alabama, and the company was called Investigative Services. But uh, I'm just going to put the – I'd like somebody to help me do what you called analytical history to put this era down or this timeline down because I don't think it's going to lead to the real men in black. But I know that the men in black, they didn't say they were FBI because I worked for years in the UFO offices, FBI offices, 
And then when I worked with the FBI and the CIA recruited me out of Chicago, they were sharing offices. And NSA came and talked to me in the 90s. And so when 96 uh, – they operated ACIR till 96, and uh, President Reagan – let's see, 80 to 93 was my official – Years, 80 to 93, everything before that. They said they were taking me in answer to your response of why high school. They watch you a minimum of 10 years before they recruit you. So I was recruited legally and did my first government investigation, uh, government background check in 1967 when I signed up with Yvonne McCutcheons. My parents had to prove it because I was underage. Then when I, my husband went out to work at NASA, Chris Kraft hired him direct for NASA. He ran, uh, you know, when they say the astronauts were up there and they all that, he was in charge. He's dead now. Pool for Chris Kraft direct. Chris Kraft personally gave him his job. NASA, not Grumman. His dad worked for Grumman. This is a very interesting thing. Now, the reason I was told, because I asked that from the psychiatrist uh, that I had to see in Washington, D.C., to get on with the CIA, and he asked me two things, but I got to ask him a question. But he asked me why I was a Mormon or Latter-day Saint and if my having seven kids was normal for a Latter-day Saint or Mormon. I said, yes, sir. And I said, can I ask you a question? And he said, yeah, I said, why did I get recruited in the government so early? And he said, it's because of, uh, so they can get to know you, you know, your history. Mm -hmm. In other words, they get you so early, they can track you and see what kind of person you're going to be. Well, that makes not sense. Only, not, not only that, but you're, you're sort of malleable as a person. You're, you're, yeah, because bring you up to be useful uh, the way they want just whatever they need you, whatever they need somebody to do, uh, training an animal. <laughs> yeah. So since I've since it's my life, I don't know how I can't be objective as well because it's my experience. So uh, they rehired me on a let's say they flew me on a Wednesday from Chicago and they hired me on Thursday, and a girl outside. I think they smoked cigarettes in 87 because I remember two women sitting outside, and uh, they were talking to us and uh, were asking us questions and uh, while we were waiting during our polygraphs and stuff. But she said, uh, what are you here for? And I said, I don't know. And she said, well, you're coming in on – you've worked for us before. And I said, how do you know? She said, because you're coming in on a Thursday, and we only do rehires on Thursday. So that's how I learned I was a rehire, but I have no recollection or memory other than the stuff that I'm telling you. But I don't remember, you know, ever getting a paycheck from them. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody bought but, you. Uh, somebody bought you lunch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Actually, there was different men: CIA, FBI, NSA. I dated uh, Secret Service for President Bush, and. Uh, I shouldn't say that, should I? <laughs> now I'm acting like you and I are just talking. We better get back on your book. <laughs> you see how powerful your book is? <laughs> so well, you I, don't may, you may, I don't know if you read the uh, the UFO FBI book. 
which is what I had. No, I've got to do that. But it's going to go in my collection, I promise. I've had it. I bought it and had it in Kentucky. And uh, my husband got real sick, and I didn't get to finish it. So I've got to buy another one. So I'll buy one this next month. So how well, can that help me? The new, the new one, people? the new one has a, a whole, a whole uh, section on my direct involvement with the CIA. Uh, the new one is a copy of the old one. The FBI-CIA connection is new. It's a copy of UFO-FBI connection from 2000 when that was published. I just republished the 2000 book, you might say. But I also added in several chapters on my own experience with the CIA starting in 1979. Uh, for, for various reasons, I ended up going to CIA headquarters many times and talking with you, talking about UFOs at the CIA. Uh, in Langley? Yeah, that's all in this uh, FBI CIA UFO book. So if you buy that book, and read all the way through, you'll be up to date. Good. Well, great. That's awesome. Yeah, I thought you and Richard would probably be the two because I was directed to you. I think it's because you're historians, to be honest. Uh, yeah, Richard was impressed honest. with my. Richard is a professional historian. Was impressed with my book written by a physicist. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, I don't understand why the government would have molded me between Richard and you, other than I think it's time to start putting more pieces together and not just novel-like with my husband. I think they want the real story out there. I think I, I was trained to observe and just get the facts, ma'am. You know? <laughs> Did you ever watch Dragnet when you, in TV yeah. years ago? Yeah. Okay, that's... That's how they trained me was just get the facts. I was told that. I'd be given 5000 shoved out the door and say, just get the facts. So they couldn't uh, influence uh, my attorneys, multimillionaire attorneys, Agent Orange, uh, things I worked on with Dow, gone after the physicist, the, the chemical guy, different other cases I did for the uh, attorney, multimillionaire attorneys, you know, against the government out of Houston, but it was fun. I loved it. Now, how the, how this goes together, I don't know. So if you can do an A with B, I will. I can pro provide the words and even grammarly and editorially, but I, need, I don't know if I should do it like a biography or just an interesting book because I was surprised you put CIA, FBI. Did you have to get permission to put those on your book? Or to... No. Huh. Well, I knew they were going public. Uh, CIA was going public several years ago while, Steve, while uh, my first husband was dead, but my second husband, Thomas, all my husbands worked for the government, <laughs> all of them, which I had several. So Stephen several. Lee Parrish, <laughs> yes, sir. Stephen Lee Parrish, Philip Pavelka was Navy E-9. Jerry Orr was a GS-13. He was my handler in the Navy and uh, that's when I went to NIS, Navy Investigative Service, and called the CIA to make sure, because I was working in a government vault, doing clearances and handling all the classified. And uh, my uh, Navy uh, ComNav base was under investigation, and then the uh, – right. even – Ellie Kahana Anna, who I worked for, was under investigation. 
I don't. I just know that I was left to just get the facts. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you, you would you find it interesting that they would have and just keep, get you, the facts? You keep, you keep cutting out. Something's happening to your your phone. Oh, I'm here. sorry. Right, well, in it. your book, you have CIA, and you did not have to get permission to write about that. Why is right, that? The, well, for, first of all, the part of the CIA that I wrote about in the older book, and the FBI UFO connection, also had several chapters on the CIA, and that was based on documents that the CIA released in 1970, late 1979, no, late 1978, under the Freedom of Information Act. In other words, the the chapter that I, chapters that I wrote on the CIA were based on information that had been released by the CIA it was no longer classified so you didn't have to have any uh, permission to publish it um, when I wrote the new the new book I updated some of the stuff in the uh, FBI and, uh, and Air Force parts of the book and in the CIA I added some chapters which involved my interactions with one of the CIA employees there and uh, after I wrote it, I we never uh, CIA did, didn't treat the UFO subject as classified. It was officially unclassified stuff. So really, I could, so I could publish my interactions and what I knew about the CIA with this guy that uh, was a CIA employee, uh, and I, I sent it to him to see if he. Wanted to change, wanted me to change any of it. He didn't. He said he thought it was some of my best writing. So. Really? Wow. And if you get the book and read what what I what I told the CIA and they they told me. <laughs> uh, well, I'm looking forward to Dr. Bruce because uh, I haven't read uh, Bruce McDowell's. His name's Bruce too. He wrote the book. ACIR, the end of the era. Uh, so the North Texas Library had advisory commission on intergovernment relations, which is funny that Texas was where I was recruited out of. Uh-huh. I've got to go see who's on the phone right during this, and this is going to go on YouTube. Well, are, uh, I really appreciate you helping me with the UFO Association and the ACIO, even though it's ACIR that I'm interested in. Uh, uh, working because I was appointed by the President of the United States. I'm on the radio. Okay, we've got my daughter's wedding, so I have to be uh, aware of my uh, family, so I uh, had to let somebody in. Now, Dr. Bruce, you uh, are brilliant as far as I know, and is, even after this much time. Your book, I guess if you, you already understand what we can and cannot put, I guess, in a book that will involve being commissioned by the President of the United States and ACIR, which is a company I had. And it was after 1990s when I met my husband, and uh, he and I got uh, what he called hip pocket orders. Have you ever heard of those? Hip what? pocket orders. Have you heard of hip pocket orders? Hip pocket oh, orders. No. no. Okay. Well. I may use some terms that you're not familiar with, but I would like you to get credit for helping 
this book, but I don't know that we'll put FBI and CIA on the front, but maybe we should. Maybe that's my job in ACIR, but it was Sounds actually to me like your, your life by itself would be a, a interesting. So you write it largely as a autobiography. Autobiography, you think? Uh-huh. But I'm not, I'm not known, so I'm not like Hillary Clinton, so I doubt it'll sell. But maybe Richard will do it. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, maybe if you uh, edit – well, I don't know. I'm sure your part's important. So once I read your book and see your CIA, how you were involved, I can see why they – your name was brought up as the mentor. Richard was just uh, – how can I say this? Uh, somebody in the government gave me his book and directed me. Now, Glenn Dennis, do you remember Glenn from Roswell? We we need to get into Roswell a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, the mean, reason I, know who, I know who he is. I never met him. All right. Well, I met Glenn in Roswell, and I was directed to him. And uh, I had to explain to him uh, certain things uh, – Due to the windows of time we had, 19-year, 20-year intervals. So I had two 20-year intervals, and uh, he was really impressed. He's the one that directed me to Stanton Friedman, and it sort of blew my mind because Stanton was on the original Roswell UFO case. I was assigned to and sent to Jesse Marcel's office. Did you meet Jesse Marcel? The elder, I never met the elder one. He died in, in 85 or 86. The younger one, well, when I Marcel met him, Jr., I did meet. I met the uh, older one in 76. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it was the same year Stanton was assigned or found out about it. I don't know no, if you got Stanton, it. Stanton, got Stanton found out about it in 70, late 78. Really? So he found out after I did. Interesting. Well, the Navy picked me up in a van, a blue or black van, and the guy wore uh, – I was in the Navy, so I know uh, the uniform. I was sent to Balboa Hospital for my medical, and that, I do remember that, uh, 76. My babe, my young – I had four daughters. I wasn't supposed to have children. I was programmed not to have children, and I did it anyway. So I got in a whole lot of trouble, so they kept them all out of my file. But uh, they took me to Balboa Hospital for my medical and put me in as a corpsman and said that that would be my undercover job. or Not undercover. I was undercover. But what is that called, the front, Dr. McAbee? It's your front job? I don't know what that is. Anyway, the corpsman, uh, I still had to go to – when I was a rehire, I had to re- repeat – my four by ten U.S. Navy work in uh, Chicago, and uh, I had a hysterectomy. I wasn't supposed to have kids, so Doctor Novak in 1985 gave me a hysterectomy, so I wouldn't have any more kids. Mm-hmm. wasn't supposed to have kids. I was supposed to work for the government with no children. My husband did. He made it. He didn't have children, so that was one of the prerequisites for some reason. I don't know that for sure. I just felt like that because I was chastised for it. And Tom said, well, normally people that work in the UFO field don't have children. So did you hear that? 
No. You had soap. <laughs> never, never heard of such a thing. Okay, that's strange. Well, when we do that analysis, it may just be me superimposing my ego onto that because why would they get? In, why did I get in trouble for having children, right, or with people and personnel? Do you, do you now, remember when we had long conversations two, three years ago, four years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, near the end of the, uh, I think I made a comment to you, or you had, you had supposedly been interviewing me. You did most of the talking, and I pointed out that it turned out to be really an interview of you. The reason I bring this Isn't up that, is you've been interviewing yourself. Great. You've been interviewing yourself tonight too, I'm and you sorry. might have said something tonight that you didn't say last time. Uh, I'm beginning to think you may have the core of a autobiography and tape-recorded messages when you were talking to me, plus other stuff that you can ah. remember when you are talking to other people. You may have your really? book already. Are you serious? Can they make you do that? Is that why you were important? I, did, uh, I didn't make you talk a lot, but you did. <laughs> and it occurred to me that you had effectively interviewed yourself because you were telling a lot about I don't remember that much about what you what you said, but it occurs to me that you could. Uh, it's a test of your a test of the accuracy of your memory, I guess. If you said one That's thing, scary. one thing four years ago, and another thing that's exactly the opposite this time, I'd have to wonder about your memory. But if you say the same thing twice, separated by four years or whatever it is, four and a half years. Well, which uh, part was? Was completely turned around, which means I am programmed, which scares the crap I, out I of me. I don't, I don't remember. I just remember. The part I, with I, my what, I rem- what I remember is that we we had several. I think we had a couple of conversations, and uh, you you did most of the talking. So and That's I pointed scary. out that you you had basically interviewed yourself. Well then. Are they, is that why I wouldn't write the book, the real book? This is what see, this I don't is know, but I'm just I'm just saying, I'm just saying that you've got memories, memory record, you've got recorded memories, or memories recorded two times, two, uh, why, uh, several With several you. year gap, several year gap. So if you if you say the same thing today, if you said the same thing today that you did. I'll uh, go listen to it and see if yeah. it's the same thing, and then I can find that program. Uh, well, you, Janet's you, been you. telling me that she thinks I'm programmed not to write it. Thank you. Yeah, no, no. hold on, Doctor McAbee. My daughter, yeah, she. Uh, no, you said that, and Steffi tonight said she never said that. It's nine o'clock for the family till nine thirty, and nine thirty viewing to ten for the public. And then 10 to all eyes are on the pastor at 10 o'clock, which they're videotaping because of her, as far as I know. And then because of her ET stuff with Moffat and cancer and all that. The Liberty Church, it's non-denominational. So we don't have to wait on you. You're driving direct with your friends. All right. Navy people. Okay. Love you. Bye. Yeah. Dr. Bruce, you're really... I will say I'm thinking now that the reason you were chosen to mentor me is deep, 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 which means I'm scared about that. So I think I did this four years ago. Now come to think of it, but you're saying now take take this 
take this video tape, not video, we're doing audio. Take this audio tape, compare it to 2014 tape, and and use that to begin. Is that what I'm hearing you about? You mean recording? Uh, yeah, well, I'm saying between the two recorded messages, messages to yourself, uh, you could pick up on a lot because you probably told me things this time that you hadn't said four years ago. Oh. Uh, and you you thread them together or tie them together in a certain, to make a, uh, a sort of history. A lot of what you're saying probably is not documentable, except in your mind, um, unless you could come up with the, the the men in black or somebody who who knows what was going on. Uh, oh. So if you're going to write an autobiography. Uh, oh, my God. You, 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 I have to. I understand you know, what you're saying. You'd want oh to be God. as accurate as possible about it. And it sounds to me like well, a, lot maybe that's why... that, a lot of the stuff that you were doing was uh, undercover, so to speak. And you would be the oh, only person. Oh, yeah, definitely. Would, you would be definitely. the only person who could remember it. Well, that's why they do that. The ACR appointed one person, but I don't know why. Unless it was for an analytical analysis uh, analyst in writing. Uh, history when it was time I know that people told me it wasn't time yet it wasn't time yet on the historical linear timeline so uh, that's why I thought I don't know maybe I'm just sounding crazy right now my daughter died and I'm distraught and, but uh, doctor I, w- I didn't do last night's because my daughter died and I knew people think I was crazy doing a radio show but for some reason, I told Janet, no, it's been two years. I have to have Dr. Maccabee now. I cannot wait. Remember, and then tonight the show wouldn't do. It was really strange, and then we finally got it. it, it we don't even know why that messed up. Somebody tried to get it where I couldn't even do my record this tonight. And that's uh-huh. only you and me and Janet know that, but you do know that. At least you know that it didn't go on at the time. We could, we're an hour later. So, right. do you believe there's two factions in this UFO association or UFO bu- business, whatever you want to call it? Do you believe there's a faction that people, because uh, my husband believed that. He believed there was a faction of dark hats and a faction of white hats, because when he was in the CIA, he discovered in some of his assignments that the, uh, they were being told to do in the CIA certain things. And when he checked it out, because uh, they give you a portfolio with a picture and the resume of person you're going after. But some of the ones that he was assigned, he went to President Reagan direct because we worked directly you know, for him, our President Bush in my case. But uh, Tom wouldn't work for President Bush. He didn't like him. But uh, anyway, President Reagan did not know about it, and he didn't sign it. So that proved to my husband, and that was firsthand information that there were people in the CIA assigning cases without the president's approval. You couldn't confirm or deny that, though, could you? Because I couldn't. <laughs> That's too deep. I don't know anything about CIA hiring right. and firing. You talk about two factions. Yes. Ever since, ever since the beginning, uh, well, Donald Kehoe was the first, first guy to write books about the UFO subject way back in the okay. 50s. Talked about the, the well, there being two groups. One one group being the people who said we ought to tell everybody about this, 
And then the cover-up group said, we, we can't tell anybody, we got to keep this information silent. So the two groups were basically on disclosure or no disclosure, although they didn't use that terminology back then. But uh, now there may be other pairs of groups that are, have, have something to do with something else, but that's the... Uh, Disclosure versus non-disclosure, the two groups of people that stick in my mind. Well, let me share this with you, Dr. McAbee, because it's been four years since we had recording. Uh, when I went to expose some knowledge, uh, the uh, publisher in Canada wanted me to talk and be on a radio show with Kevin Smith, and Tommy talked to him. And so Tommy can come in now. Uh, Kevin Smith died of a heart attack, I was told. But my husband had taught me because my husband's doctor died. And uh, he told me they put something on the – oh, now I'm talking black ops but or wet, wet work. But uh, I guess I've gone this far down the rabbit hole or up the food chain. They, uh, you can. They put something. There's all kind of ways to make a person have a heart attack. So, Dirk Vanderplug died. My publisher died, and the man that he recommended me be on his radio show died. Mm. Tommy, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you uh, hear me okay? Tell. Yeah. Now, would you step in and talk to Doctor Maccabee because I don't know why this is happening, but Tommy's worked with me since 2012 for Cosmos to the Expose of Janet Careless and, and to represent the UFO stations in Hawaii. Tommy, what did you know about Kevin Smith so you can tell uh, intelligently how Kevin fits into this picture in radio shows? Dr. McAbee well, is a historian and an author and is familiar with work with FBI, CIA, and he's going to be our uh, model to be the perfect investigator. Well, Kevin Smith, can I, you I, address that? I got involved with Kevin, but all the stuff he told me, he would tell me while we talked personally. He would never, we I was on his show a couple of times on the time he made friends with him. Then when we were going to be doing a UFO conference, he was going to stay in the hotel room with me. Uh, but uh, he, his stuff, he kept it kind of, he never really bragged about it, never talked about it. Uh, he would explain certain things, but he would never get into the details around it. Uh, protecting himself. He, he was smart in a lot of ways. That's why he stayed as long as he did. But see, I've been around so many people that are involved to the max, and then nobody talks about the most important cases, which is pretty bizarre. I mean, I've been involved with five cases that go beyond Roswell, go beyond all these other stories that people talk about, but six of my best friends disappeared or killed or put in a nut house. So, yeah, when you talk about something that's really top of the line, it gets squashed. And, and like I said, Richard, uh, he he would talk to me personally what he was doing, how he got involved, and how he was always there, and, and he saw the things and everything. But he never would really get into the details with me personally. Uh, so I don't know. You don't know how far it his involvement. Right. Well, can, I'll go and on the record talk- with Dr. Maccabee. Uh, I don't know if it's okay or not, or if I get myself killed, but. Uh, I may wind up with a heart attack tomorrow after my daughter's death. Who knows? Did you, but did here's you sign, the deal. Did you sign a non-disclosure agreement? Uh, that's debatable. 
because when I was trained to do clearances, I trained the people to do that, but uh, debriefing in the Navy. However, I never remember signing anything but a blank piece of paper, Dr. McAbee. I had to sign it. They made me in, at gunpoint and in a car. What? And, uh, I mean, uh, they you, gave me a gun. They gave you a gun? And, yeah, they gave me a gun and told me to sign the paper for the gun, a blank oh. white piece of paper. Uh-huh. And so I don't know what they – I said no, I didn't want to, but I didn't have a choice with my handler. Now, this is after I'd already been cleared with the Germans, uh, said I had a Q clearance at Lowry Air Force Base. The Germans flew with me from Orlando, Florida to Lowry Air Force Base, where I was going to be sent to Antarctica, <laughs> of all places. I didn't want to go. I, was, I didn't want to wear the Air Force uniform, and I didn't want to go out of country. I had to really fight to get out of that. So some German came to my rescue. I'm, I don't know if it was CIA, NSA, FBI, or whoever, but he was a German man. He took me out on the other side of the Lowry Air Force Base. I'll take a polygraph on this stuff because when, it's so black. When was the last told, time? When was the last time you had a clearance? As far as I know, at Lowry Air Force Base, because uh, the next contract I signed was uh, in Fort Hood. At the Joint Chief uh, Building 1 or Building 3, it was where they had the lawyers, and I had to go take another ASVAB test, which was strange. They re-enlisted me completely, I guess because the CIA bought the Navy contract, the second contract, or the third. I don't even know because I don't remember the first one. And so when I went through boot camp in 85, the lady said, my God, what they do to you? And she took me out and showed me – now, this may be a program with them, or it may be part of the training program from 67. You'd have to tell me because I don't know. But she showed me on the outside of a wall, but they tore it down. That For each uh, – like I was K085 or 87, but each 85 people that come through uh, at the end of graduation, they'll let us paint something on that wall. So she took me outside and showed me one of the paintings. She says, do you remember? I said, that's nice. She said, do you remember it? I said, why would I remember it? And she said, because you painted it, and you don't remember me, and you don't remember the painting. So she said, my God, what did they do to you? And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. So I do believe some part of me may have had uh, something. Now, I do remember they put me to sleep in a room was sort of a smoky thing in Fort Hood uh, and had me sleep overnight. So maybe that's how they change your memory. My husband said they did it when they explained it to him in uh, Mar- uh, oh, somewhere right outside of Washington, D.C. He went and flew that little backpack you put on and flew it for him. But uh, anyways. I think you're supposed to know this stuff, Dr. McAbee, because I've not been willing to talk about it because I was scared I'd wind up like my public uh, – Derek Vanderplug or Kevin Smith or my husband's doctor. <laughs> so – and Tommy knows about some of this stuff because – and I, why I would never go to any UFO conference. But if you're willing to say that there's two sides that you personally feel like you can – 
uh, how would you say, testify to or be witness of? Because like you said, I can't prove any of this. So what, where does it go when they know you can't prove it and they have you sign a blank piece of well, paper? Uh, hardly anybody walks through life without leaving footprints somewhere. You're telling me a lot of stuff, places you've been. Certainly, uh, you'd have to try to track your to try to track your past history. You'd have to uh, go back to these places that you recall and um, see if they have any records of you being there. Uh, well, they assured me they uh, took I'm me sure, to I'm a sure, basement. I'm sure assured it would, me. It sounds they to me like. Find a, it. Sounds Can to I me just like say a, one thing? Uh, uh, I've been involved in the UFO world all my life, and I know multiple people, everybody that was high in the UFO world years and years ago. But even people like Larry Warren, when he wrote the book Left at East Gate, I hung out with him the week before that book came out. They stripped everything about him. He couldn't even prove he was in the Army. They stripped his Social Security number. He was begging to go back in the Army because he couldn't do anything. It took him 10 years to get his life together again uh, to create who he was. But uh, another good friend of mine, Robert Morning Sky, well, he's a Hopi, and uh, he was talking about his grandfather. I don't know if you know the truth about Roswell, but three ships were shot down, and his grandfather with three other elders took one of the aliens from a ship and went up in the mountains, and they stayed with that alien for nine months. But he wrote his thesis in college and got, a, a, a like not the Nobel Prize, the thing under it, but uh, in the interim... I was lecturing with, with uh, global scientists for a couple of years, and I was I went on a vision quest with him. We saw a ship. He wanted to take us where they're cloning the greys and all kinds of stuff. But a couple months after that, he was supposed to do a TV show, and he went. When he came back, he was reprogrammed. Hmm. The next conference we did, he, he came over to me and said, you can't talk about UFOs. You're not real. There's no such thing. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, I'm not going to let you do the show. But I have friends at every level, and this guy from FEMA, uh, ex-FEMA guy, because he had this belt on with this machine on it, so they couldn't track him. He goes to me, look, he gave me a card, and it was a little card, and it said, implant removal card. And he said, stick it in your pocket. I stuck it in my pocket. Within an hour, Robert Morningsky and six people, they were supposed to be there all week doing a conference, and they all just were all dressed in black. They all got their suitcases, and they left the hotel. But the next time I saw him, he was, like, completely unaware of anything. He he never he can't mention aliens he can't mention ships he can't he doesn't know anything about it anymore. Uh, now this other guy John Ford who I was going to see when FEMA themselves said you go near him we'll kill your whole family. Uh, but basically, I I saw his video. He made four videos of a ship that crashed on Long Island. It's the best video ever shot. It showed the aliens. It showed the ship. Everything. And then for three weeks they let the Supposedly, let the island uh, on Long Island, they let that part of the island burn. It's flatland. There's no possible way. But these black trailers were going in and out, taking the ship and everything out of there. But in the interim, uh, he's in the nut house right now. And every year, the government steps in. When he's supposed to go to court, they won't let him go to court because then he could release the video, and uh, which would document his story. But they're saying he had, he had uranium, and he was going to poison people in Congress with it. And that's the story they put all over New York and New Jersey when they arrested him. But he got arrested. John Ford. John Ford. John Ford. Now, right before he got arrested. Dr. McAbee knows uh, what you're talking about. But but here's the other thing. Uh, On 
we did a show, my friend and I, Sergio 18, called Strange Universe. We put a really incredible video of a ship stopping, shooting out three ships and then taking off. And they showed it on TV. Uh, they cut me out completely because I started talking about Native things, which they don't allow on TV. But uh, that, was, that was all the same month. Joe Snyder was found dead. Uh, they killed 200 UFO people, which I knew many of them. Uh, a lot of things happened when, in 1996. It was kind of like a turning point for the UFO world in a bad way because they were going trying to clean up loose ends and things like that. But over the interim, my best friend, who I grew up since I was 10 years old, worked for NASA. And he was working on a space program. And he came to my house. I took him to a, we met at a UFO conference. We got together. We started talking, and he said, look, uh, let's create a group and let's move somewhere and create our own society. And, and I'm, I'm showing him these UFO pictures, and he goes, well, they told me I can't see them. Two days later, I called them up because we were going to get together and have a pool party. His whole family disappeared. Uh, and I could go on. I lost six of my best friends that way. Uh, I, you know, you must have known Ed Grimsley, right? Uh, I think I know the name, but I, I don't know if he I was the one that. He was doing all the uh, shooting UFOs at nighttime after the conferences with infrared cam, uh, green lenses and everything. Well, I was pretty – he was shooting UFOs uh, at, at night. But he, uh, All of them. He, he was like one of the people that was always there, and he would take people out after the conference at nighttime and, and watch the sky. He had like 10, 10 glasses, night vision glasses. I don't, I don't recall. But, well, I was talking to him, and two weeks before he died, he said, they're killing me. They're going to kill me. And then two weeks later, he was dead. Uh, what? I mean, I can go How on. How do you know? I can go on. What was that? How did he know they were going to kill him? I can go How on. Did they know? I was involved with... See, do you, you well, remember the original study? You worked for AT&T, or you worked for Bell South, so... I well, that's not how I got the information. I I, uh, I was out there mainstream because I was friends with SETI, the real SETI. There was a government SETI and a private SETI, and I was friends with the private SETI. And she told me they came into the office and injected the president and the vice president. She was the president. Uh, this man was the vice president. She went out to the reservation trying to get cures. She came back, says, I'm really sick. She died a week later. Uh, she told me that. She said they came into our office. They said, you're not going to be able to cure this. And they injected her and this other person of, of SETI. Uh, and then, then you never heard SETI again, not the real SETI. Uh, well, that movie that came out with, with, with uh, what's the name? But, Tommy, we got, we're fixing to have to end this show. Dr. Maccabee will have to have him back, but we won't wait four years because he's getting up in years. <laughs> I'm getting up in years. <laughs> so if this story doesn't get told, nobody's going to know about men in black or wet works or, you know, all that. Tom had 135 confirmed kills. But. You know, I could tell you in many ways the government kills people based on 20-year history living with him, you know, being one of the major agents in and out of country. But one of the big questions was, was I out of country? Yes. I worked the European theater, but then they put me in Pacific Fleet. And uh, anyway, Richard, Richard Doty was talking to an admiral and, uh, a couple of days ago, and he asked uh, – you know, I said, well, I asked him because we Thurmans have a lot of secrets, but he didn't know who I was. He said, if I didn't work for uh, in the 60s with a certain group that I didn't do UFO business. I was like, okay, so there you go. There's somebody that was in the Air Force that worked on 
I guess Serpo or something. Uh, Richard is still a person of interest in my world. Richard Doty is a person of interest, but uh, I'm still investigating him. <laughs> well, so, uh, we let you to the. I don't know where to we're going to stand with this, Tommy. But at least Doctor McAfee knows historically he would be a considered a, in my world a uh, professional witness. I would, I would can classify him like I'm a professional witness on some cases, you know, arson, fraud, subrogation, and you know that type of FBI and IS. But he would be, but government now, Doctor McAbee, correct me if I'm wrong. You never got a government paycheck like I did from the U.S. Treasury. You never got one. Well, Navy from the government. Oh, you did get from Department of Navy. That's what I work for. Oh crap. Okay, well I got some from the Department of Navy too. So there's our common thread, money. You know how they always say follow the money? Mm. So in an Ever future, since I started work ever since I started working for the Navy in December and January of nineteen seventy two. All the way up through April of two thousand eight. Um of course I never saw the checks themselves. I put the money directly into the bank. Didn't either. All right, so you were in the Navy when I was recruited to go to Balboa Hospital in San Diego and then was sent to go talk to Jesse Marcel. So I don't remember the year. I'm guessing 76 or 7, probably 76, because I know I went from uh, Alvin Junior College to University of Alabama in 76 and 7. If you were at the University of Alabama, they would have a record of you. So you could—that's a time—that's a time time chop on your life history that you can document. I'll try that and then see, because that—but how could I be there? And I'd already gone uh, to—I had already gone to San Diego. I remember it was this time of year because I got stale candy to send back to the kids I wasn't supposed to have. While I was in the Army, I was living in a Marine barracks. I was in the U.S. Marines, Navy, and this is what's strange. I was I worked Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, and I wore black. I wore black with the Army, and I was saluted. I wore black with the Air Force, and I was saluted. I wore black in the Marines, and I was saluted. So I don't know what I was because I just thought I was a corpsman. But apparently when they put the uniforms on me and put something on my hat, I was play, playing like live-action role-play, <laughs> L-A-R-P. So I want to get to the bottom of this, but I, I need somebody like you to, that will do analysis and historically be the lead investigator on my own life because I don't think I can do this. Uh, I'm going to try, but every time I've tried, somebody's gotten killed. Now it's my daughter, and I said, I swear on my daughter's life I'm going to write this damn book but I don't know if I'll stick around to do it but you know Dirk's dead Kevin's dead and I, I, I will tell you Dr. McAbee Kevin Smith was one of the handlers of me he tracked me and told me this on a phone this was not put on the radio show he did I don't know if they deleted the radio show but I watched him delete a whole building I went to with my husband it's gone so believe me or not they can delete you They've deleted my file at U.S. Express. I went to work for Mr. Ferris, who worked for the owner. He, the vice president hired me 
They trained me to do computers and run 150 trucks at a time on satellite for SATCOM. Anyway, Kevin Smith told me, I was one of your handlers. I uh, was with the sheriffs when you were in Monroe, Louisiana, and I was in when you went to uh, Lloyd's of London and uh, worked in the Scotland Yard. I was like Interpol, International Police, but not that. But he says it wasn't Interpol, but it was an international police he worked for. But he he wouldn't tell me CIA, so he would never connect. Huh? I think my telephone's going DJ? out. I think, I think he's going out. I think my telephone right. is going out. It has a battery. Dr. McAboo, I'd like to have you back, but in the meantime, if you'll just be a plank owner for the business and hold the fort, I will try to get you uh, involved at uh, – I need to know who the black hats and who the white hats are, the factions. What you ought to and, do, uh, you ought to pick some time in your life and start writing, whether you pick the middle or the end or try to pick the beginning and come up with a linear history of yourself. Start with my linear history, yes, okay. The earliest thing uh, you can remember, and uh, you know, your story about being recruited at age 15 or something like that. Uh, uh, people would be interested in uh, how, how they worked. Because you know, I, I remember the... They had uh, recruitment offices set up uh, if you want to be in the CIA or whatever, um, just out of high school. Oh, good. So maybe that's why they sent me to you. Somebody wants this story told, but I guarantee you somebody on the other side does not. And that has kept me in check with people dying. Dirk Vanderplug, Kevin Smith. I went and started telling my, my husband's doctor to help me, and they killed him. So Tom told me to stop. And then when the CIA came to see him on the deathbed about the pyramids and the microdots uh, left, he uh, told them to stay away from me and the family. But he was dying, so I didn't have any protection anymore. He was one of the shooters, you know, wet works. All right, Dr. McAbee, well, at least we got this much done. So somebody... If they didn't program you or me, I'm very surprised that they wanted us together. So I'll just go with Dr. McAbee. I'm coming back, and this time I'm not so scared. Okay. So uh, don't know why you, of all people, were like lead investigator with the U.S. Navy, but all I can see is that you were an investigator, you're trained, and that you and I both work for the Navy. Other than that, I don't know our correlation, but... I know you're important to me because your head, uh, your face was ingrained in my mind. So I don't well, know that I that's gotta, I got to go. The phone All is right. Beeping. Thank you so much. And, uh, doctor, uh, can I get back in touch with you in the next four years? Yes. Probably take you that long to write your book. <laughs> <laughs> well, you stay alive for four years, Dr. McAbee, Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll play the uh, famous song "Staying Alive." <laughs> yes, exactly. I love your I love your humor. Thank you for helping me twice in my lifetime. Hopefully, uh, there's going to be something come of this, Doctor Matt. I just hope you will be a lead investigator and help me connect the dots. Thank you, Tommy. 
Uh, they changed oh, some of the screens, Tommy. Thank you, and we'll be back with you. That's uh, Dr. McAbee, our leader of our UFO Association, <laughs> for helping people like me put together a story that's unbelievable. I don't even believe it, but i got to find all the dots and make it make sense. So thank you, everybody. Tommy, they've changed this screen. They did it in Mediacom, too. I'm I'm blanking out. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. McAfee. We'll be back with you soon. Tommy, I don't know how to do this. I can't seem to get off because they changed the screens on me. I'm looking at what it says. Two places where it says end show. One should be up on the top and one should be a little bit below it. Believe it or not, I've got uh, Teresa J. Morris on the left with the logo and one on the right doesn't make sense. My screens, uh, they've been messing me up on blog talk. I don't understand what they're doing or who's doing it, but they're even doubling my screen. It's make me think me I'm going crazy. Video. Hold on. Uh, okay, my screen well, just came up. Okay, it should say right under episode info, which is in the center of the screen, it should say uh, end episode. Mine says on the left, Teresa J. Morris with my logo on the left, and there's one on the right. It says public broadcast unlocked. On the top, it says on air, stream left in the middle. On the left side, it's got connect to the broadcast, and in the middle, it's got episode notes. And it wouldn't let me put them. Does it say blog talk radio in the corner? Yep, both corners. It's a double. They've got a screen over a screen. I know, uh, and they wouldn't let me go on today uh, for an hour. It said that uh, I couldn't well, add they did that one. To me. That was... They did that to me two days ago, so I just canceled the show. I just and started it, and they, they couldn't hear me. One my... in the queue, and then they said I didn't make one, but Janet could see it. It said that Dr. McAbee was coming on. Anyway, I don't know I tried if it's to put... the government. I don't them. know. I don't know who it is. Just close, your his... Just close your ALL. Just close your ALL. Well, you can't out. be paranoid. They make you think you're losing your mind and that you're paranoid easily. And if you play along and don't keep a level head, I, I realize that things mess up normally, you know, and that's probably just a fluke. So I always go with it's just Wait, you're still not on. You're still on the air right now, are you? I know. It says so. It says I'm streaming. Well, it says, you better uh, get out of that. Twenty-two. I'm trying. I don't know how to do it because it's a different. It took away my other screen. Uh, and see, there's no technician, IT technician at the studio. They said, "I'm oh, sorry, we're gone all weekend." Remember when they quit let, paying people on the weekend? Right. So, well, I'm just going to hang the phone up. That'll do it. Okay. So, yep, all I can do, do is hang up the phone and. Uh, I know Dr. Bruce McAfee, and I do remember what he's saying. So what he's saying is four years ago, he started to help us with a a book called FBI CIA UFO Connection, and he is the author of that book. So somewhere in the universe, somebody thinks he's the lead investigator on that. So, And Richard Dolan was – uh, somebody gave me his book and said he was the historian, but now he went with Kehoe Press. Now, I noticed something interesting. When he and I both started our publishing companies about the same time, now this is probably nothing. It's just a coincidence, but Rod Dolan and I both had a keyhole-looking or a lock or an eye. Like a, I use it for like a private eye. 
it looks sort of like CBS because CBS caught it once, but ABC Television mm-hmm. was the one that filmed me and put me in a can and had me look up at the sky and wear a coat and act all sleuthy for wife swap. And then they didn't – because I did psychic work, right, for them, ABC Television, uh, my mother was alive, and Stan Friedman was alive. Oh, wait, Stan's still alive, but Stan knew about it. Mother was saying Stan's on the phone because she got to calling Stan Friedman Stan. <laughs> and then she's well, on my television. Watched, no, but I just watched a special with Dolan. I would listen to him for an hour, and he oh. was attacking uh, he was attacking Corey Good and Stephen Greer uh, and a few other people. Uh, really? And I said, so, and I, I wrote three letters underneath it because I said, look, uh, where's your proof of anything you're talking about? Yeah. Oh, okay. And Corey Good and who was Emory Smith? Right. Emory Smith? Yep. Okay. Well, everybody's entitled to their storyline and their opinion. But, see, Dr. Maccabee also says go back and try to find, but I know that the government's already deleted most of my files. We we went from paper. I remember back when I was, you know, we had to do paper. How long ago Mm -hmm. did I tell you they already programmed you? Anybody, anywhere anywhere in in high power gets a chip put in them, which means they can take you out anytime they want as well. But as far as uh, the programming. Attorney, when I got my uh, neck broke and put in titanium, he found something in my back. That was very curious. It was Attorney Conway out of Kentucky, and mm-hmm. this back when I was writing editorial and weekly for uh, the local weekly messenger, and uh, some of the s- senator came down, Ed something. But uh, it, during that time, Conway said, "I called the doctor that did that. We don't know if he put it in you or not, but you've got something in your back, and we don't recognize it. It's foreign." And my attorney told me that, so I've not seen it. So that's a possible of an implant, right, which is what Daryl Sims covers, private investigator. Well, you had Bird on your show, and she talked about the implants that she was getting. I mean, she even had a boyfriend cut the one out of her back. Oh, well, hers, if she had one in her back, and now I've got one in my back, that's very curious. So the trick for me is looking at, uh, you just get the story, and then you compare notes, and like he said, point A, point B, and curious, and then various. So Dr. Maccabee, see, we're going to do his model. He has the Cadillac or the old school gum show like I did in certain cases. You know, you do on or about mm-hmm. such and such time, this happened, this, and you number them, and then at the end of the Navy JAG investigations, you can put, it's my opinion that. You know, and that's when the uh, FBI and the NIS would bring me the cases, and then I put them all together, and we had to write for the Judge Advocate General, depending on who it was for what branch of the government, and the ACIR would get stuff. So I don't know who I was working for or everybody. I don't know where all the uniforms in the military, but who's going to believe that crap that it goes on, you know? Yeah, and most of the you people, know, I'm learning people that are in it. one of the military, they think – their military is the only intelligence community. You know, like Naval Investigative right. Services was mine. Uh, I worked for the JAG, and the NIS reported to us. So people don't understand. NIS would report to the attorneys. Now, S2 Division for what, the what Army. I, mm-hmm, go ahead. What, I, what I'll say, you got to write about 
what you feel is important to you. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter whether they believe you or not. Well, I don't know if because it's important to me. I've lived people, it. Well, it. But it's, there's matters. something going on that I need to figure out, but I don't think I'm going to be able to figure out who the black hats and who the white hats are. Because even if you think the FBI and the CIA are the good guys, and you think that CNN and MSNBC and ABC are the good television stations, internally they're still being dictated to as long as they're getting a paycheck. A lot of them don't do the stories anymore like we did in journalism, right? They don't well, go John get fact-finding. They just read John monitors. Right, but John Edmund met the men in black twice. Now, Stars all 18, he met the men in black. Uh, I told you. Uh, the Illuminati got in Maybe touch with him. Maybe it could be an X-File story, X-File or Men in Black story. I don't know what it's supposed to be. Let me think about it. But you know, Tommy, how many times I've talked. Like, I did you know a few things like for fun or novel based on truth, but I haven't done any the real story. So he said it's called the autobiography, but I don't know. I don't know. Well, now that well, he's gone, just... we don't have, I'm 67. If I don't tell it. Uh, when I met Bill Tompkins in a hangar, they had me go to Dayton, Ohio, or I had to go over there where they had Hangar 18, right? And the Navy talked about that. Right. And then they had me meet him in San Diego, I believe. Uh, I know it had the SATCOM uh, because I was working with SATCOM, right, with the uh, trucking industry. Mm-hmm. So they had the football stadium, but I remember – I went to a meeting, and I went in, and I came out, but I don't remember what the meeting was about. That was with William Tompkins. So they've done that to me twice on military bases where they put me – and Fort Hood. So they have me go, and uh, they had me go in a trailer, that was some kind of temporary building at Fort Hood, and they had computers in them. And the guy that was from the Pentagon told me, Tell them you were, you know, General Saint in California, and I don't know why that was important, but that turned out to be General Saint, who Tom worked for too. But they wanted it was very important that the Army was involved with me in Fort Hood. Remember, they the Navy brought my contract and had me sign it. I don't know what's going on, Tommy, but because Joint Chiefs of Staff and Joint in the military, and then I worked civilian clothes as GS. That was the cover stories, but that's not really what I did. And I know that, and a lot well, of people were like me. But see, Sarah's a hypnotist, but I wouldn't even tell you to go to her. You need a good hypnotist with Janet, a hypnotist. Oh, counselor. A good hypnotist. Not, no, hypnotist. A the hypnotist. government paid for me to go to Dr. Laura No, Sturgis. no, no. I'm telling you. You yourself need it. A good hypnotist to work with you. She said well, right I was now, a, right now, a right now. Well, that doesn't answer a, everything. Yeah, uh, you got to get into the details. You can, you oh, can, everything's in your brain. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm retired. You know, I'm lucky to make twenty two hundred a month, and that's my life right now. And I have to learn how to live on that here. And they're trying to raise rent, all kind of stuff. Can't afford. I don't know how people do. Well, look, I, I understand that. You've got to worry about yourself first, and that's all I'm saying. But uh, just for your own peace of mind so that you don't keep twisting your mind and saying, what, what is it, what is it, what is it? Find out what it is. And I, like my other friend, she's going to be thrown out of her house next month. 
and she works with an angel. And I said, do you ever ask your angel for any kind of help? I said, you, 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 you call on your angel to do readings for everybody else, but do you ever ask your angel to help for yourself? I said, if they can't help you, they're useless. Because Maybe we're here it's to my find angel who we are. Dr. Bruce McAbee on my radar, but I thought it well, was the government, good the good government. I think there's the good government and the bad I think what it is is people like me that want to you know, be good and work in uniform or out of uniform for their government that really believe in it. And then there's those that get in and use it for personal gain to see how much money well, they yeah, can make. Two. You know? The president has come out being richer, don't they? Well, because say, they took up internationally in, with all the corporations and money deals and use their power, information well, power. that's the problem. Right. There's two governments. They call the rich and the poor. The secret government uh, that's well, poor the is the one that's trying to work with people. I was offered the rich side. I lived in condos and mansions and drove big cars. Well, money, like money starts corrupting your brain. Money will slowly destroy your brain. I met well, Tom Selleck at Black Orchid in Hawaii. I also met the guy with Bell Helicopter at the Hilton Hawaiian Village or one of them. I met a lot of people in my life, but that doesn't help us. It doesn't help you. I know. Well, Unless they give we you got a million dollars. Association, but meeting once every four years isn't going to cut it. But what it is is no? obstacles keep being put in my way. You know that. I can't seem to well, I had, get a handle on this. Uh, Story Musgrave was on my show. He was the first astronaut. They designed the yeah, space program I for him. Story, story lives right, here but in Florida, he, and his daughter yeah, was but he won't 12, talk, I think. Yeah, he won't talk about UFOs. He won't talk about well, he aliens. Over, he won't talk about anything. He flies from here in Florida and would go to California over to uh, – Story would go to uh, – what's the one over there? Ames, maybe? Laboratory? I forgot where right. he worked, but – yeah. Well, I'm glad we got him on your he, show. That was a long time ago. Well, he's, he's retired now. I mean, I called him up uh, because I had a, a incredible information, and I mentioned the word to him. He said, oh, i got to go with my family, and he hung up. He couldn't okay, get so he's still he not allowed to talk about UFOs either. Nope, not at all. Well, not remember all. the astronauts probably did what Dr. McAbee said, did you sign a disclosure? But see, in their mind, they know. I signed a blank piece of paper. That, well, that, that disclosure it, they signed only legally, 25 years. Under a polygraph, I can't confirm or deny that I've signed a confidentiality agreement. Right. Well, that's because what your mind's telling I don't know what I'm allowed to say and what I'm not allowed to say. If if I'm supposed to be We're a historian. Yeah. You know, you, you got to make that decision because if you put the truth out there, the truth. And, and you know it's the truth. The government's we'll not going to like it. We'll set you free, but we'll get you killed. <laughs> exactly. Well, that, that's the bottom line. Because everybody I know that spoke the truth talked about the truth, except Sarge L18. Uh, now, even Fred Bell. He worked with the government since he was 14. He's on the harp system. He did everything for the government, and they still killed him because he talked about the doomsday weapon that Tesla was working on. Huh. Well, there must be a uh, way the that people after... like me are chosen to be one person to tell the story at a certain timeline, because they always told you know, me it was, all not the people, it was not time yet. All the people that told this, all the people that told the story about Jesus are liars. So you know, people have their get their twisted truth, believe their truth, and until you can prove it to yourself for real, which most writers don't, 
I mean, nine, I, I, was, I wrote 10 letters to Dolan yesterday and the day before. After I saw him on that interview, when Dolan was uh, saying certain things, and well, who, don't get who, who upset was he with? with him. His, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, Tommy, whether they're right or wrong. You know, You're just saying that while he's calling the – are you saying – like he's saying, well, they're not telling the truth, but I am. But see, he's trying to analyze right. But he's saying, he's saying they're programmed by the government. Great. So, you know, well, maybe they are. Everybody is. When you get out there and maybe that's where it's I don't want like, him to get. I don't want to be on Richard's shit list either, but I'd well, be more than happy to try to now tell my reality and how it's looked at objectively, you know, and I'm I'm willing to let someone else be the lead investigator. I I prefer to be the lead investigator, but I always well, was. Don't, well, I'm also attacking contracts. I've been on top you of know, Corey Good now. Past month. Yeah, but I haven't vetted him. I I need to go back from the Bill Ryan story. When well, he's he was coming with here next the month. The girl you worked with. He's been, Didn't you work with Kerry Cassidy? Yeah, I did for nine months. Well, do you remember I back in the day when Kerry Cassidy and Bill Ryan were together before Cam- right. was it Camelot? He's got Avalon yeah, or the round table something. Camelot, something before that. Uh, yeah. Well, Bill, but, uh, I, I tried to. Get, Bill didn't know me from Adam, nor did he vet me. Okay, but back in the beginning, when before you were working for Kerry Cassidy, uh, when I was doing investigations, I try I was gonna investigate him because of a story he did, but uh, didn't. And uh, so I don't know Bill, but I do remember when you mentioned the name Corey Good, that back mm-hmm. in the day before Corey was telling his story, he was. In one or two circles of friends, they were trying to get in the business. It was Corey. Now, I don't remember Emory unless it's the same Emory that worked with Dr. Stephen Greer. Do you know – did you vet or investigate either one of them, Corey well, Good or Emory Smith? Yeah, I, I investigated Stephen Greer. Now, as Stephen a journalist Greer is a or as an investigator? As, as a friend, I was – when well, I was lecturing, he was just like. With your investigative okay. background, and you're such an asshole, you and you and Richard are going to be like oil and water. So, but you shouldn't be right. I, I would never, I never come on your show if he was on, uh, and I'm not going to link myself with you to him. But uh, yeah. basically, it's when he was doing that with. Uh, well, you can't help it. You're in our association. You're like Weber. What's his name? Alan Weber. Uh, I'm like Weber. What do you mean? No, the other guy, the other guy that you like. Uh, Bruce McAbee said him. Alfred was. What do you say? Something Alfred on Weber. here. He d- he doesn't approve of the way he thinks. I I don't remember how he said it. So I I'm don't not even quote it. I don't either. He's, and he's, he well now Dr. McAbee has a good point. You know he's our supposed to be our advisor or the mentor or the lead investigator or whatever he wants to call himself. But he did at least agree to be like a national on the board of advisors if all I do is call him once in a while. But he, I don't think he's too worried because it's only every four years. <laughs> yeah, well. So, But he did remember we had a couple of conversations off off air, and that's good. But whatever, I thought that must be why I thought he did more than one show. But when I went back to find it, I can only you know how you search on the years of – Recordings on blog talk. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem is, 
like I said, you do research on these people and you pull up who they were really, where their money came from. Stephen Greer's money came from. Well, Stephen Greer had no money. You went out gumshoe. You got gum on your shoe. That's why they're called gumshoes. You go off and do boots on the ground and you go knock on the doors of their friends, their family, if they'll talk to you, where they worked. You go and, and get their linear timeline and see their. UFO history, uh, which is very hard to prove it by anybody because they covered up so well. You remember that guy, uh, the one that worked in the cleanup, wet works, uh, Clifford Stone. Remember him, that old investigator? Right, right. Yeah, he yeah. did actual wet works like my husband pick up. But, uh, well, I think I put down my guard because my daughter died and I wasn't going to do any because I was advised not to but I couldn't well, a friend I of mine, to do Dr. Maccabee and I don't know why so maybe some part cool. of me Did is you ever trying to reach that? out you ever hear of Alan what? Sherman Alan Sherman no, I don't know the man. he made all Alan the B movies you met with him in no, Hawaii no, Alan Sherman, he, he made all the B movies the B, B movies in the, when we were young like Creature from the Black Lagoon and all those kind of movies oh Oh, I saw that, I think, when I was a kid or something. I, well, okay, but I basically, he, uh, he was at Edmonds Air Force Base and recorded that Edmonds whole Air incident. Well, were you there when the ships were over for, for, for one hour? And they had to call uh, the, 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 the so, four-star general? Husband, yeah, my husband called me there. Uh, he was my handler and took me to Ed, Ed, the one in California, right? Well, no. Yeah, I think that was there. The original, I have the original taping of that, and yeah. it was the phone call after phone call trying to get ships. They finally got two jets to come in, and when they got the jets over the airport base, the two UFO, the couple of the UFOs just disappeared and shot out. But they were over yeah. for Here's an hour. my handler, uh, Chief Philip Pavelka, until they told him they were, they were going to send him somewhere. If he mentioned me again, Thurmond. <laughs> oh, well. He mentioned oh, yeah. Strom Thurmond or something or Something to do when we were doing that story with uh, Strom Thurmond calling me uh, day after Roswell, that guy. I never can remember. Philip Corso worked for my uncle, Strom Thurmond, right? Or who I thought was. At least he said he was. I don't well, know if he was. TJ, he did the all you got to do right now, all you got to uh-huh. do right now is figure out what's more important in the rest of your life. I don't know how many years you're going to be here, but what is going to be really important in those years? I don't know. Whatever it is, if the truth is going to no, come no, out. Wait, wait, listen, listen, listen. Something no, no. You gotta, you gotta feel what's right for you. Are you willing to get killed because of the government taking you out? If you're willing to go <laughs> on with the UFO story, no, I'm serious. If you're going to go on with what you're going to say, you will open a doorway because those things nobody talks about it. Nobody. You don't hear anybody saying anything like that they because don't they are so people to know about it. But maybe right, President exactly. Trump does. Maybe I don't know who well, he represents. Bring him a personal letter. The, the pres- nah, send, see, nah. Send him a, I, I, send I him a personal Reagan. letter. Personal they approached letter. me. I didn't approach them. President Reagan, I was introduced to by the men in black. Uh, George Bush, I was introduced by Secret Service. The guy was dating a men in black, and they arranged it well, at you ever the Memorial to get in touch with Bigelow? Now, Cheney, Dick Cheney tried to get in touch with me through uh, me driving a truck and stuff. No, Bigelow got in touch with me through Barry Gaunt, remember, the guy that did the uh, MUFON. And then 
Barry got pissed off. I got pissed off. And then the people with MUFON, the board of directors, whatever, uh, they wrote my name in uh, some article or something to Dirk in UFO Digest right well, before he got killed, remember? Well, he, took, he, took half, he took half of MUFON's files. So obviously uh, no, he, he paid Michael. him a certain amount of money. I don't know how many files he got. I yeah, know, well, mine, I know some all of mine the facts. Was, he got my file, but I did – Unfortunately, fortunately for me, I'd only given them one file, and I gave Kufos one and UFO Digest one, and uh, Mutual UFO Networks got one or two. I don't remember, but uh, Barry uh, analyzed the photo, but he didn't have enough money or something to do it properly. So, because uh, finally, after all these years of my, you know, when I had good Hasselbladder pen, uh, what was that? Pentex. And they went into Canon. But uh, in the UFO ET people that were real, or at least I thought they were real with the government or non government at this point, I don't know, black hat, white hat, they would never let me take photographs. And whenever I'd take photographs in the old day with film, they'd be black. So finally, in 2008, uh, one of the ET came to Steffi, let her film it, and said, give this to your mother. Now, Steffi called it, but then they wiped out that memory. Steffi, I don't think, remembers that anymore. So it, it could be the ETs themselves that will take out the memory. Do you believe that? They can give it and they can take it away? Of course they can. They do that to Robert okay. Martin. Uh, yeah, but here's the thing. Who do you okay. have with you now? How many people do you have with you? I'm alone. TJ? I'm alone, Tommy. You're alone now? Yes. You don't have your other daughter's not with you? She went to jail. Don't you have three daughters? I'm under attack, Tommy. I Anytime understand I do anything with UFO Association, my life falls to pieces. So that's so I what I'm saying the to you, DJ. What do you want Not to do? Not only that, my next door neighbor's dad works for the military. He moved in, and he reported me, and I got a letter uh, that I've been reported because now I broke my lease, which I don't even know for loitering in my front yard. Have you ever heard of any such bullshit? I, I, you told me that, uh, you know, but you said they had all kinds of parties next door and motorcycle gangs and stuff as well, right? Oh, you heard about that? That's yeah. So I mean. Them. But he doesn't know that uh, who I am. He just thinks I'm some old crazy lady. But he doesn't know who I am. But that's okay. Most people don't. Mm-hmm. That's the government. That's why the government doesn't care if they if they discredit you and make people think you're crazy, and then they right. take some of your memories away. So when you do, you say I don't remember, and they know you don't because they wiped you. So some things I remember, and some things I don't. It's not my fault. But I don't feel crazy. But it's, now the FBI agent said. As long as I stay and use the word paranormal, they wouldn't mess with me. That's why I had Paranormal Network, but I haven't put anything on it in a while. Like I said, so I've got when to it goes against how to government, do this. when you talk about government, it becomes a separate issue. Now, when John Ford in Long Island, uh, when he was talking, it became part of the government. The same as uh, Snyder uh, and uh, what's his face? When they were killed because they were talking about the government. We've been off the, the air government. for 30 minutes. How are we talking? I you have know? no clue. I'm on my phone. Well, they just screwed me up on this. Huh? Yeah, I'm on my cell phone. You're on, 
Right. So I'm, like, I'm on, but I can't see the numbers. They've taken me off, and I don't know if the good guys or the bad well, guys. I'm still, I'm still on Blog Talk Radio. I'm still on Blog Talk Radio. You know, oh, this shit. is going to be on the show. you got to make sure you delete half of it. I can't. They took all that away from me. You can't They won't even it? let me cut it. I can't. They took it away. I can't put advertisements. They put their own now. I must have got... Well, I won't, let it, I won't let them do that. I won't let them do they that with mine. Because how? Then it goes but to how the government. do you do it? I pay the same they amount you, you do. But they ask me over and over, don't you want commercials? We'll, we'll pay you. We'll give you money. And all, they keep saying that over and over. Uh, and I keep I saying no. I don't have no, that either. That's what I'm telling well, they, you. So how do you edit? You can go in and delete your file. I've deleted a oh, bunch of your files. Oh, I can delete them any time. Del- I, I'm not going to delete tonight. Dr. McAbee can die oh, no, at any no, time. If it's still recording right now, when a person calls in to listen to it, they're going to listen to this half hour. Well, let's get off. Okay. Just hang up. All right. I'm sorry. Right. I've got to bury. Right. Listen, okay. Tommy, I've got to bury Gigi tomorrow, okay? If right. anybody wants to send flowers, they'll go to Liberty right. Church in Gulf Breeze, or you can send them directly to Trahan Funeral Home, and they'll put them on her burial. Okay, I'm sorry, Tommy. I don't know what's going on, but apparently some good part of me or some ET or angel, like you call them, somebody wants right. this story out. All right. Love okay. you. I'm sorry. Love okay, you too. bye. Okay. Hang up because I don't know how to get off of this machine. I'm such a dumbass. Damn it. I need an IT person. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus.